Herself. She probably did. Everybody um, say way oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're starting this. What's up, guys? <laughs> hey, what's up? Welcome to the Drink It Out of Cups podcast. How's it going? I'm your host, Raven. Dude with the jokes over there in LA. Uh, <laughs> Chuckle fuck. Sorry, over. dude. I've been smoking crack all day, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's up, dudes? My name's Ryan. Wayo, <laughs> who's that on my forward, dude? <laughs> let me go. Let me go. Say boom, 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 boom. This is Micah. <laughs> Wayo, hey, we got a big crackhead energy over here today. But before the episode gets started, I do want to do a little bit of shout. I think I've been doing too many of these actually at the beginning of the episode. So who cares? Yeah, you're shout annoying. out. To okay, sorry. <laughs> shout, out to, <laughs> shout out to the um, Discord. So uh, every week now, I don't know. I think I said it in the last week's episode, but just so everybody knows, we are going to be doing once a week going live on a Discord. We have a, per, a private Discord server now, where if you are subscribed to the Patreon, you get special perks over there, special channels that you can communicate with us in and talk to us and hang out. It's really freaking cool. We're going to be doing a video live stream. So just shout out. To that, for if anybody wants to actually watch almost like a live video feed podcast, because I know a lot of people want that and have been asking for it, but we're not going to do it. So this is <laughs> <laughs> this is the closest thing you'll get to that. This is the closest thing. But what's cool about this is if you are subscribed to the Patreon, then at the end of every week, we are going to be posting the live feed just to the Patreon. So, you know, it is kind of like a, a video podcast at that point. So mm-hmm. if you want a video podcast, pay $3 a month. Yeah. Or catch it live for free. But you have to be there live. So. Catch it live. So to uh, <laughs> <Do it> live. <laughs> exactly. to get updates on that, to get updates on that, just head over to our Instagram at DragataCups underscore podcast on Instagram where we announce every day before we go live. Anyway, today <laughs> we are going back into crackhead energy today today's episode may or not be a little whack because it is about crack oh my god dude. <laughs> that was fucking whack dude <laughs> yeah yeah i'm started out strong uh, yeah. <laughs> when talking about crack i am referring to crack cocaine so to start this episode off super strong, just like crack, I want to start by dispelling one of the absolute biggest myths about crack, and that is that crack is a different drug or somehow more dangerous or worse than cocaine. Each and all of these things are incorrect, and the reason is simple. That is because crack cocaine is just cocaine. They're the exact same drug. It is the exact same drug as sniffable cocaine. That is one of the biggest myths and misconceptions I hear all the time is that they're two different things. They are not. Uh, The key and only differences in the two drugs is that one is made to be snorted, ingested orally, or intravenously, and the other is made into a freebase. Calling these drugs different is kind of the equivalent of calling powdered dishwasher soap a different thing than the liquid or pods. <laughs> Just because they're in a different physical form doesn't make them different things, you know. That's a really good. It's uh, a really good comparison, dude. Thanks. So can can you can you eat crack like Tide pods? I wouldn't advise it. Just like Tide, sick. All right. <laughs> I would say um, probably not. Don't eat crack? Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Well, I would not. Even, I know that cocaine ingested orally makes it inactive. Um, but you do get a to, little bit through the, if you let it sit in your mouth. Yeah. So I'm sure you would with crack too. Yeah. The only reason I say potentially not is due to it being in its free base. Yeah. It might make it completely inactive for it. Oh, interesting. So even like, think about like drugs like DMT. Um, I know that it's because they're tryptamines, so they work through that MAO, MAO enzyme, but they require that to be inhibited for it to even work. Right. Really. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, because I thought about like the way they sell crack typically is out of people's mouths. <laughs> so, what? So people on the street, dealers and stuff, will have a bunch of crack baggies like in their mouth. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And I figured if there's any residual or like an open baggie or something, I figured they were just getting high all day. No, but it's fucking, they're they're in like vials usually. It's not No, I've seen baggies. In in people's mouths? Yeah, I've seen people pull baggies out of their mouth and just like. Damn. I've seen it a bunch actually. And just watch any documentary about like uh, Kensington Ave. You'll see baggies in mouths. True, but Kensington, anyway, dude, it's crazy. Kensington Ave is known now for heroin and shit, but yeah, dude, used to be. Uh, crack yeah, central. it's the same thing though. Like people do it with heroin. People do it with any drug. Like it's just a. It can be, that's why if you get pulled over, they'll then they're suspecting you of drugs. They'll have you open your mouth and flip your tongue. And yeah, shit, and like show this is sides of your teeth is because that's typically where people hide. Yep. I don't know about yeah. it anymore, but that was definitely a thing. Oh, for sure in the 80s, especially when there was the uh, uh, stop and frisk or whatever thing that... Um, Sounds hot. <laughs> that they were going on in, in New York and stuff. I don't remember what year that was, but yeah, that definitely was a good way to hide it. Yeah, definitely. But. So, um, as I said, they are the same drug, just in different uh, physical forms, essentially. Or they're, they're made to have different... App, uh, uh, routes of administration, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, with that being said, there's a point to be made that standard cocaine as a drug is just as addictive as, and dangerous as crack. And it is of my opinion that these drugs are equally as addictive. However, the cost and accessibility of cocaine is what makes crack seem like such a more dangerous drug uh, when it's probably more likely due to the fact that it is just much cheaper. And, it's, uh, and it also has this ability to or, or, or it's it's uh, effects are so much faster and it, it makes you need to redose so much faster and it's a quicker high so and cheaper one of the things that I'll say about it being worse is and this is a fact because it's just the nature of how you use it is that it's smoked right so you're putting particles in your lungs but you're also putting particles in the air um, and so if someone is smoking crack around people who are not smoking crack. Yeah. Those people are now getting particles that they shouldn't. They're going to get they a context buzz. Yeah. And yeah. potentially the same type of damage. to the Oh, lungs. interesting. Yeah. Secondhand well, crack, dude. Literally. But yeah. it think is about children. It is just a different version of harm you're doing to your body. Cause when you're snorting cocaine and say all the impurities yeah. that are in it and stuff like that, you're, you're not, you're not getting that kind of damage from crack. So but it no is one, just a different version of harm you're doing to your body. It is, but the, I think the added part of it is that it's the secondhand part. Because no one true. has to secondhand use your cocaine when you're sniffing it, unless you <laughs> offer it. <to> them. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Uh, the the this is the end movie. I think where so, Jonah yeah. Hill blows a, a handful of cocaine in someone's face. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I, think, <laughs> I think that's in that movie. 
Yeah. I've definitely seen great. it in multiple movies where people do that though. Well, that's like cocaine bear, but uh, oh. <laughs> crack bear. <dude. laughs> actually, that's funny because the, the 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 cubs actually get high, so in a way they secondhand. Oh, did you actually see high. cocaine bear? Yeah, I watched it. It was good. Oh yeah. Oh. I thought it was really funny. I, I wasn't expecting mixed, that. No, I results. thought it was like legitimately hilarious, but I mean it's it's uh, corny. Oh yeah, that's what um, a lot of people were like. Oh, this was fucking whack because of how corny it was. Yeah. Um. On a on the the smoking in the secondhand note, I'll have in the science section some actual data to kind of show. Um, but that is like again part of one of the things that I think people consider when they consider crack being worse is the fact that if someone say like a family of people are smoking crack, um, the kids that aren't smoking crack are exposed to crack smoke constantly. Yeah. Um, similar to kids being exposed to like methamphetamine smoke. Yeah. I guess the, um, those are like dangers that you need to think about when thinking about dangers of a drug is communal and environmental, what you're doing to the people around you and stuff. But um, I think what I'm trying to say is in solitude, if you're just there smoking crack alone in your basement, then <laughs> you're ingesting the same drug and it's doing the same thing chemically to your body as snorting cocaine, it's just happening so much faster because you're getting it all in your bloodstream through your lungs rather than having to wait and get it through uh, your skin, essentially, or your cell membrane of your skin. Yeah. Um, anyway, crack gets some of its funnier nicknames from being the rock form of cocaine with many people referring to cocaine as snow or ice or anything like that. People refer to crack as either sleet or hail. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've never heard never of that. That's that. amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, and people call cocaine, obviously, nose candy. So crack is referred to as rock candy. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow. Hell Some yeah, other dude. nicknames include gravel, grit, dice. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, smoke of that gravel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jesus <and> Christ. <laughs> there's also obviously just a ton of regional specific nicknames that people attribute to every drug, so can't go too far down the list. Those are just some of the funnier ones that I saw. <laughs> yeah, there's so many different nicknames for crack, dude. It's crazy. Have you guys ever seen it? Crack in gen- in person? Yeah. No. Not like in person. No. What about you? Yeah. I well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it in the bag, like out of someone's mouth. I've watched someone pull uh, crack out of their mouth and seen like the little rocks. It but I, it was like tinge of yeah. it was like whitish tinge. But um, I didn't get to look at it up close hmm. or smoke it. Yeah. Rats. Damn. Yeah, my, <laughs> I told my buddy we were doing the crack for this episode, and he was just like, "Dude, are you guys?" He's like, "If you if you guys smoke crack beforehand, let me know. I'm trying to come." And I was just like, <laughs> "Jesus Christ, dude!" Who's <laughs> to say we didn't? I mean, that's why I said that. We'll just leave it at that. So you can decide yourself as a listener. So speaking of stimulants, guys, I have learned this fact that I have to share with everybody. If you're coffee drinkers, espresso drinkers. So if you go to a coffee store, I got a latte today. I tried to get my stims. They don't put extra shots for the extra sizes. No. So you're paying $7 for a large for the same amount that's in a small. Yeah, it's just more milk. I just learned that today. I've literally pissed. told you that so many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I asked today, the guy. Yeah, I've told you that a fuck ton of times, dude. Because you're like, because you you've said in the past, you're like, oh, I'm gonna get a 16 ounce. I'm, I need more coffee, and I'm just like, that. You know, that doesn't make a difference, right? <laughs> and well, okay, so it's different because some coffee shops, like legit coffee shops, 
don't do that. Like or, Starbucks doesn't. Starbucks gives you extra shots, right? Exactly, which is not a legit coffee shop. <laughs> legit <laughs> coffee mean, shops, I like mean. legit coffee shops. If you get a twelve ounce, it'll be a double shot of espresso with milk. And if you get a sixteen ounce, it'll still be a double shot of espresso with milk. It's stupid. Yes, I yeah. mean no. It's I not, was trying to. It's fit. not stupid. Actually, it's fucking. They're being very <laughs> straightforward about what they're. But this doing. is my thing: is milk is so cheap, right? So yeah. you're you're. I don't know. Which is why anyway, mo- which to- is why legit coffee shops. If you get a twelve ounce versus a sixteen ounce, the difference <laughs> in price is only like fifty cents or like seventy five cents because you're paying for that extra milk. I guess so. I guess you're right in this scenario. Yeah, I'm anyway, always right. I just, Let's continue. just wanted to talk about, uh, <laughs> you know, my stims. What's got me all cracked up today? Oh. So what is crack? <laughs> <laughs> crack is certainly whack. So. Yeah, I mean, is it though? I, so I briefly mentioned earlier, but crack is the free ba- just the free base version of cocaine. While many people think it is a different drug altogether. Uh, so what? How crack is made? It being just cocaine is. They mix cocaine with sodium bicarbonate, aka baking soda, turning it into a freebaseable drug. This is because uh, <laughs> it is incredibly hard to smoke powdered cocaine. I almost thought that was a joke. Was that not a joke? You saying turning it into a freebaseable drug? No. I thought that was you trying to fuck with me. What? Is it not? Freebaseable drug doesn't make any sense. Does it not? Well, freebase means that it's free of the base. So freebaseable is not a word. Freebaseable is not a word. Well, is that why you kept auto correcting me? It might no, be I think a word. You're still but... thinking about it in the sense of freebasing as a method of yeah. doing something. Oh, yeah. Right. That's yeah. not what it is. Fuck. Right. Damn it's it. just it's turning like, it into the freebase yes. version. Well, yeah. Should I resay that? No, I like this discussion because no, like, yeah, a lot I of people don't. Great. A lot of people don't <laughs> know about this. Like, yeah, no, actually, because that's that's the thing. The reason why I always get like, uh, like not upset with you guys right obviously but just kind of like i'm always trying to get you to remember what it is and now you both do i believe but the thing is is that people the reason i do that is because there's been so many people for so long that have considered freebasing this thing where you heat up like essentially you vaporize from the bottom that is where all of the misconception comes from well there's a there's yes. another myth because that is in my head like oh you're freebasing a drug that's not right. But, yeah, which but, doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're not. Free How did based, we get this far into this? And I still don't understand. You're not. Free, no, I mean I understand now, but yeah, but I think it's just because you, yeah, you're you've associated in your head, yeah, the the heating of something from the bottom, yeah, is called freebasing something, right? Which is not what it is, right? It's yeah. it's because it's such a common term. That's what it's known as, like in culture and stuff. But that's not what you're actually doing. You're not freebasing. You're smoking the freebase. Okay. Yeah. So. Mixing the cocaine with the baking soda turns it into a free base, a free base version of <laughs> free base cocaine. Drug. <laughs> yeah. So here's another here's a here's an example that might help even the listeners understand. Extracted DMT for smoking is DMT in its free base form. Okay. So you use a strong base like sodium hydroxide to convert it from its like essentially salt form into this base form that's now smokable. If you didn't turn it into that with a basic compound like sodium hydroxide, you wouldn't be able to smoke it. Right. And so this is like with this. With cocaine, it has a melting point that is so much lower. So then when you basify it, you make it to where you can heat it up and actually still get it without destroying it. So you've turned it into a version that's smokable. Yeah. Uh, And that temperature for 
uh, crack is 192 Fahrenheit. Damn, that's uh, very yeah. close to the uh, temperature that uh, brewing, you're supposed to brew coffee at. <laughs> that's true. You could almost actually. brew crack. And you, could free base, you, could, uh, you could free base your <laughs> coffee, dude. <laughs> Just kidding. No? Just, <laughs> just kidding. So uh, I, I, I just want to clarify that just saying that you mix these two chemicals is extremely dumbing down the process. But uh, <laughs> so what you end up with when mixing these two chemicals is an off-white rock. They call it a rock that almost looks like a crumbly candle to me or a brittle piece of plastic. Uh, <laughs> kind of looks like drywall a little bit, but like... Oh, yeah, yeah it's like harder drywall. Speaking of drywall, so unfortunately, with most of the time that crack is being cooked up, it is in unsanitary environments by dealers and users directly before sale or use. This means that a lot of care or safety uh, kind of gets thrown out of the window with this process. This results in a lack of quality control, for lack of better terms, and crack is notorious for being one of the most cut or adulterated drugs. Uh, that I've heard about, it, mostly due to the cuts possibly being in the cocaine to start with. So you know, you're a lot of the times it gets cut with another cut. Uh, one of those, one of the deadly and obvious cuts being fentanyl, uh, and other things that have been found within crack uh, are things like laxatives, laundry detergent, creatine, and powdered caffeine. But even drywall, <laughs> hell yeah. yeah, and probably dirt and all kinds of other shit. Um, one of the ones I'll mention that I don't know if a lot of people know about, but with just cocaine in general, one of the most common cuts is that I think it's like a horse dewormer yeah. called levomisole. Yeah. Um, that used in excess. So one of the things to think about with crack is that most people using crack crack are actually using it more often than people using cocaine. Right. Um, like they're smoking it more than someone is sitting there and sniffing. Yeah. Um, and so they're spending more time exposed to that dewormer. And that dewormer with chronic exposure leads to um, pretty severe weakened like immune systems. And mm. so it's thought that um, people who use cocaine in general, but crack cocaine as well, are even more susceptible to um, something like getting AIDS whenever oh. they Whoa. are around blood because their body has less ability to fight it off. Holy um, shit. system yeah, so just the, that levomisole is actually kind of sad because there's really no getting away from it a lot of the times. Because um, sometimes when making crack, you can actually get rid of some of those cuts because they're dissolved. They can dissolve in like the water. Oh, true. Right, or the the other stuff that you're using um, when making it. So anyway, damn. I just wanted to put that out there because that was one of the things I actually found in my research that I was surprised about was that the dewormer uh, isn't you know deworming us. It's just making us like very. Uh, um, Imagine you had ringworm and then you started doing a bunch of crack and then the ringworm goes away. Or it comes out, like you pull it out of like your ears or your eyes or something. Imagine being just jeeked up off the crack, dude. And you're just in a crack house (laughs) just smoking crack and then you just like sneeze and all of a sudden you just fucking pull a giant worm out of your nose. Uh, That would fucking suck. Just like, oh, you got something in your nose, dude. And you're like, here's a tissue. And then just fucking (laughs) pull out like a giant worm. You're bugging and then you're quite literally bugging. <laughs> Damn, that was a good one, dude. You thought you were seeing stuff crawling over you? <laughs> crawling so, in my skin. When cocaine is in this form and, and it is smoked, it allows the cocaine to be quickly absorbed into your system through your lungs, leaving users with a very intense, very fast, uh, <laughs> very, very, uh, uh, just explosive high, essentially, <laughs> is what people... <laughs> so, um, 
one of the terms people use for the the pipes that you hit is Uzi because it's like getting shot. Like you hit the crack pipe and it's like getting shot. Oh, weird. Like, (laughs) (laughs) imagine smoking crack and getting shot at the same time, dude. You probably wouldn't feel it. You'd probably cancel each other out, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Bullets bounce right off you. (laughs) Dude, what if that was a superhero, dude? Just fucking crack man. (laughs) Right. Fucking whenever he's smoking crack, he's invincible. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, with this very fast high comes an extremely uh, fast come down, extremely short duration. with so this just increases the binge potential exponentially. Like powdered cocaine, crack is known to numb people's mouths as they smoke it. I didn't know that. That's pretty interesting. Well, that makes sense though, because when you like cocaine is uh, or uh, was, uh, not lidocaine, but uh, novocaine is often used in dentists and stuff to numb your teeth and shit. So. Yeah. So a lot of the cuts that go into coke and crack are also. Uh, just anesthetics. So yeah, along with being a stimulant, cocaine is itself a local anesthetic. It's a, and aside from the numbing effect, users state that effects also include things like euphoria, extreme confidence, high alertness, suppressed appetite, increased heart rate, teeth grinding, temporary erectile dysfunction. It's no good. Followed by insomnia, <laughs> anxiety, paranoia, and depression. Damn, I must have been smoking crack, dude. I got all those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ultimately, crack shares a lot of similarities with the other stimulants we've covered, just with the added addition of being extremely potent and short-lived. Did we mention how long crack usually lasts compared to cocaine? Like the high? Have we said that yet? No. No, we haven't. But I will say this. It is still kind of similar. Right. It's the very quick like the 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 rush that is short whereas with cocaine a lot of the times you don't get the rush until you've been doing a few lines for a while and then at one point you get to this state where you feel this rush of euphoria for maybe an hour or two and at one point that will go away and no matter how much more you do you're not going to get that again crack is that effect that took you about maybe an hour or two to get to with sniffing cocaine instantly However, you still deal with stimulation and like the effects of a stimulant drug for like an hour to two hours after just one dose. Right. Hmm. Which most people smoking crack are not doing just one dose. So if right. you're smoking crack all night long, you are still going to deal with a very long come down and shitty feelings. And but from it's what just, I've heard, it's very shitty. The yeah. Come down. Yeah. But a part, a part of that is just how quick you got such a... Because essentially you're releasing a lot of neurotransmitters that make you feel really good, right? There's all these good feelings going on. And so when that's quick and then quickly taken away, the effect is much worse coming out of it. And that's part of what I think makes crack more addictive for some people. But yeah, anyway. I'm, I just have to say this, dude. I'm so happy that we're talking about crack finally, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is just fucking awesome, dude. I think it's kind of <laughs> whack. It's a little triggering. Uh, it is a little, it is a little <laughs> triggering. Uh, I can see that. <laughs> so, uh, well, too bad we can't do it because guess what, guys? It's illegal. Crack is illegal. Who knew? <gasps> crack is illegal under the United Nations 1960 one single convention on narcotics drugs. Uh, did I say it's a schedule one? Because it is. Bummer. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying there's no medical use for crack, but there is medical nah. use for cocaine because cocaine's schedule two, right? Yes. Well, Whoa. what's weird though about crack is in most countries there's no distinction for crack, which is just cocaine. Hmm. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't know because crack is really, I don't think, 
as popular in other countries as it is in the U.S. Yeah, definitely not. Like, it's it's got a weird culture thing here, which you guys, I know, Ryan, you're going to talk more about. But the uh, I don't think, because we've even seen that right with Europe, where they use a lot of amphetamines, like things like methamphetamine and even just amphetamine on its own. They do use cocaine. But again, I think that a lot of the times cocaine use is still like, people love to sniff it. And it's a part of like the... It's it's an image that they're using that they're trying to get when they're in somewhere like uh, the UK or Germany. It, like sniffing cocaine is like a thing, you know yeah. what I mean? Because they don't have it like we do over here. Right. We have so much of it that I think that it allows for certain communities to get really hooked on using it a certain way, um, like this. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, it's surprising that the UN would well, so have scheduled it. That's so that's what's weird is it got scheduled by the UN. Just, I think cocaine in general, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. No, because crack wasn't around in 1961. No. So it must have been just cocaine as a Schedule One under the United Nations uh, Single Convention on Narcotics Drugs. But yeah, cocaine and therefore crack is a Schedule Two in the US. Oh, even crack, huh? Oh, I mean, not, it's just cocaine. Yeah, they're the same drug. Yeah, there's yeah. no distinction. Yeah, the I'll get into later about some yeah, of the legality curious. stuff because there is certain rules when it does come to crack compared to cocaine. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah but it's not federal, huh? Uh, or is it? It is federal, yeah. Um, oh. I mean, I guess I could just explain it now just because we're on the topic and then I'll just mention it again later. So um, in 1986, I believe, let me pull it up. Yeah, so the 1986 Anti-Drug Abuse Act um, that... Um, think it was Reagan that put into place uh basically made it to where crack if you were caught with one gram of crack it was, it was called the uh 100 to 1 law and uh so if you were caught with one gram of crack you were sentenced to the equivalent of what would have been for 100 grams of cocaine holy fuck yeah. which is why what? people which is why people in the uh 80s were getting like crazy sentences and stuff for having for selling and dealing crack cocaine versus actual just cocaine um, well because cocaine you already get a high sentence anyway right and so people that would have gotten fucking 20 years from the cocaine now have you know 100 times that uh sentencing it's crazy like you just get life essentially yeah. uh and but in uh 2010 i believe it was during the i know it was during the obama administration they changed it to 18 to 1 instead of 100 to 1 which is still Crazy, because it should be one-to-one. Well, and then Biden's administration has something that is, like, being lobbied right now. Or just, they're trying to pass this thing that's kind of like harm reduction throughout the U.S., where crack, it you don't get the crazy sentences anymore. Yeah, because I know they were trying to pass something in 2020 or 2021. I think it was 2021 um, that Biden vetoed on because uh, they were trying to make crack, like, super illegal again. And Biden was just like, nah. <laughs> Which is pretty sick. Yeah, yeah dude. So. <laughs> Let's see that laptop. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot, dude. I forgot fucking Hunter Biden smoked crack. <laughs> oh, my Have God. Have you seen I, the videos? Yeah, They're dude. They're so funny. I can't believe I forgot about that. Holy fuck, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Hunter, dude. Hunter Biden smoking crack, dude. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that's, yeah, so that's pretty modern. Let's jump back a little bit. Jump back into history. So, to begin the history, first off, I want to advise the listeners to go back and listen to our cocaine episode as there's a detailed history on cocaine and the use in the Americas. Um, 
And I just, it's it's so much to explain that we shouldn't do it in the crack episode. Crack should be crack. And so we will give you a second to go do that now. All right. Now that we're all caught up on the history of cocaine, <laughs> that's how we got to the point of people smoking the devil's dick. <laughs> oh my God. What? <laughs> that's one of the terms people use for uh, the pipes that you smoke oh. out of. They call them glass dicks, devil's dicks, bowls, horns, or Uzis. <laughs> What? All right. I like it. <laughs> and the, it, it, when people make improvised pipes out of like a plastic, like a Gatorade bottle, they'll call them Maseratis. Oh my God. <laughs> Gatorade. <laughs> Maserati. <laughs> that was yeah. a Waterboy reference for anyone who was listening. I think I would just call mine Brill. Brill? Brill? Yeah. Why? Because you put a little Brillo pad in oh, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So for my part in the history, I will quickly tell the layman's history, the quote-unquote confirmed history, and then later we will talk about the lesser-known, more truth of the crack epidemic. So according to the U.S. DEA, by the late 70s and early 80s, there was such an abundance of cocaine entering the borders of the U.S. that the street price of cocaine dropped to as low as 80% off. Those are some fucking deals, dude. That's like... If it is 80% off right now, that's like $10 a gram. Yeah, it, it was basically, it's the, it mimics the, essentially any market of when you have an overflow of anything that, uh, you know, the price is going to go down. It's fucking supply and demand. So when there's a crazy amount of supply and, you know, uh, not as high of demand uh, in the early 80s as it became later in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. as you were saying, the dealers who were faced with this issue had a, an overwhelming uh, supply <laughs> versus uh, dwindling demand. Or uh, there was still a fair demand, but just so much supply. They had to right. figure something out, says the DEA. Uh, and they found a way to convert cocaine into its free base, a.k.a. crack, to uh, be able to stretch the amount of money that they were able to make on their product by lowering prices slightly while also creating a market divide between the now luxury powdered cocaine and crack. Because the freebase version caused users to get addicted easier and have to buy more and redose more frequently, this new form of cocaine started hitting the streets of LA, San Diego, Houston, and even the Caribbean in the early 80s and eventually spread like a wildfire, wildfire, quickly <laughs> causing the crack <laughs> epidemic between 1984 to 1990 that at least most of the people in the US have heard about. I know I have. <laughs> the numbers state that in 1985, the number of people who admitted to using cocaine rose from 4.2 million to 5.8 million. So over a million people in a year. Uh, so yeah, this is, it really seemed like it was blowing up everywhere, completely destroying homes and communities throughout the U.S. And this is the verified quote-unquote history from the DEA and this is where I'm going to leave it for now <laughs> until we get back into the more true version of events with get Ryan. It, get it <laughs> blowing up? Oh. <laughs> dang dude I'm gonna Shit. crack up from that joke. <laughs> oh damn dude that joke was whack. Get them out also, now I've fellas. Actually, really quick why I've always wondered why it's called blow. Like, do you think it's because you mm. blow through money or uh, you blow your nose all the time? Uh, like, what do you guys think? I think probably 
both maybe <laughs> yeah. or do you think it's the fucking I think it's the addiction just, wait hold on let me get this side out it's the addiction you get so addicted that you're willing to blow anybody <laughs> for it. yeah yeah it's probably all three dude dude blow 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 dude <laughs> it's literally like all three of those are uh, val- very valid true i <laughs> are you trying i to almost it? think it's like um just uh, like trying to be opposite of what you do. Why is cocaine called blow when you snort it? Read it. Because you blow your money on it. Why is sucking a penis called a blowjob? <laughs> 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 no, th- I didn't even read it as bad as it is. Why is sucking a penis is called blowjob? <laughs> <laughs> Why suck penis called blowjob? <laughs> the first method of using cocaine, this is done with tobacco smoke as well, was to roll up a leaf and blow the substance into the rectum. <laughs> like, <I don't> <laughs> it sounded so real for a second. Wow. <laughs> Does he take a blow to your brain because it blows your mind? All right, guys, let's get into crack culture. Enough of (laughs) it. So, uh, like Raven said, he kind of talked about some of the actual, the the facts that the DEA put out. And I'm going to talk about a lot of the theoretical things that happened that have partially been proven, which is essentially the truth that the CIA and the DEA don't want us to know about because... They might have been involved. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have um, heard, you know, the CIA was behind the fucking crack epidemic and all, and all that. And, uh, you know, if you've seen this show Snowfall on Hulu, uh, it's an FX show, but it's on Hulu. You've probably uh, seen, you know, a, a somewhat uh, based on the true story depiction of what was going on. Uh, Snowfall is obviously not accurate to a T um but anyway so uh yeah so just going to kind of talk about most of this is going to be generally about how the CIA was involved in the crack epidemic so but first we need a little quick history lesson on the Nicaraguan conflict in the 80s so for many years the United States back to the dictatorship in Nicaragua which was um like from I don't know exactly when it started, but like for for years before this, uh, which was 1979, um, when the the dictatorship got overthrown by um, the Sandinista government, which is another dictatorship that was backed by the Soviet Union, it was a lot of Marxist ideas, and um, so, but before that, the United States like backed the uh, the previous government that was like a crazy dictatorship. And so they eventually, like, the Sandinista group started trying to, uh, you know, rebel. And then the U.S. kind of just, like, stepped away from the whole conflict because they had helped fight away all these other, you know, rebel groups that were trying to overthrow the government. The U.S. was, you know, helping Nicaragua destroy all these groups. And then at this point, the, the U.S. was kind of was just like, all right, like, you guys can handle this, like... And so they actually didn't think that the Sandinista government was going or group was going to overthrow, and they did. So in 1979, that happened, and uh, was a fucking huge thing. And so then, the group that was against the Sandinista group, which are called the Contras, you might have heard of the uh, Iran Contra conflict, um, or the video game. Uh, what Contra is, is that? Is that a video game? Yeah, it's an old school arcade. Kind of band, kind of band. Hell yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, 
The Contras were essentially this uh, like guerrilla group that were trying to uh, fight the Sandinistas and you know uh, take back the government. And the U.S., uh, especially Ronald Reagan, was like fully trying to back the the Contras. And for a while, they were funding them. They were funding the Contras, giving them guns and giving them money and all sorts all sorts of shit until 1985, when Congress cut off the funding. And uh, at that point. And it said that in the early 80s, the government uh, started funding them kind of secretly. But it's really on paper in 1985 when it really first started happening. And essentially um, what they were doing for these like secret transactions is they were they sold guns to Iran and uh, took a lot of that money um, from those secret weapon sales and put those into basically gave it to the, the Contra group in uh, Nicaragua and... Um, we're doing that essentially illegally. Uh, when this is why I'm Congress done paying taxes. <laughs> well, that's basically the uh, the ta- they were using the taxes until '85, and then that's what I'm saying, dude. I think they still are. That's my personal opinion. I mean, probably they definitely use your taxes for all sorts of fucked up shit. <laughs> yeah, like making drugs illegal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. It is tax season, so fucking think hard about this. <laughs> and this episode is sponsored by TurboTax. <laughs> Set up your Intuit accounts. <laughs> it's funny, I had a tax meeting with someone this morning. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, so alleged, allegedly, uh, you know, there's not a ton of proof behind this. Um, it's, you know, it's came up a lot, but allegedly uh, their CIA were funding... Um, the uh, Contras in Nicaragua by basically giving them guns and uh, bringing back cocaine to then uh, sell in the United States and essentially fund, uh, or not fund, but, um, well, to fund these Contras, but they were bringing back cocaine to sell to these uh, mostly black neighborhoods in Los Angeles and uh, also San Francisco. And um, basically, uh, yeah, fucking... Selling them a fuck ton of uh, cocaine and flooding the streets with cocaine and crack uh, for their own profit to fund this Contra group that they were... Oh, one thing I didn't mention is because the uh, Sandinista group was Soviet Union-backed, uh, It was basically this was another fight against communism, and uh, Nicaragua really didn't pose a huge threat to the United States, but we were so gung-ho on like fighting communism that they were willing to go to this level uh, to help fight, to help the Contras fight because they didn't want fucking communism anywhere near. And uh, we're so afraid of, you know, Russia and all that because, you know, it was during the Cold War. And uh, they were willing to fucking destroy fucking people's lives with cocaine and shit to, to do that, which is crazy. You know what I don't understand about this whole era in time in U.S. history is that Ronald Reagan was like pro CIA. Yeah. But tried to be so outwardly anti-drug and drug war and like fucking put people in prison for drugs. So does that mean he was also in bed with the prison industrial complex? Because that would only make sense because he was literally, he gave the authority to establish the Contras. He gave the CIA the authority to do that. So if he's knowing about this cocaine dealing then going on in the United States, but then also being like, oh, but we need to put our people in prison for the cocaine we're bringing in that I know about. Yeah, it's it's all it's it's weird because I think a, 
a lot of the reports that came out, uh, the CIA were saying that a lot of the people in the CIA that were selling all of, or that were responsible for bringing cocaine into the United States and doing all of these activities were kind of like rogue agents that were just like mm. on their own doing that, which is like, of course you're going to say that. So yeah. it's, there's, there's no actual proof that he was like, yeah, go ahead and, you know, sell guns to them and bring back cocaine and stuff like that. Like, uh, but you know, I'm, I'd be surprised he didn't know about that. Well, it's sad to think of, but it's possible that the putting people in jail in this in our country is a form of hiding, like, like hiding what was actually going. Oh, absolutely, on. yeah. Like it's like a here, look, I'm actually I'm doing this, so I I couldn't be. Why would we be allowing it to happen yeah. and then putting people in prison? Yeah. That's probably exactly which what is it really is. sad. It's yeah. a lot of that mixed with the fact that the prisons are privatized and get huge amounts of money from the government and the fucking government is in bed with the people who are uh you know uh what, what do you call those people fucking jailers no the wardens and shit wardens. Yeah, yeah yeah i almost yeah. said nazis Not, well, Both, same thing. yeah same thing <laughs> it's it's people like lobbying to get certain uh laws passed to get more people in prison a yeah. proper yeah. country doesn't try to get more prisoners by passing certain laws that oppress the communities right. they try to rehabilitate communities and keep more people out of prisons and getting out of prison instead of like having this weird lifer system that we have. Anyway. Yeah. Well, because in the US, we're not people. We're like pawns. Basically. Literally. <laughs> it is so fucked. I saw this uh, person bitching about someone who dodged the draft. Uh, they were maybe even bitching about Biden or something, calling him a fucking coward or something. And I'm like, coward for not going to fight for this country who does not give a fuck about you and would love to put you in prison to make money off you. Yeah. Yeah. You're a coward for avoiding that. Yeah, well, that's essentially the <laughs> the uh, anti-drug abuse law. That's what it was essentially for, is to take anyone who was selling these drugs that literally the government was funding uh, and throw them in prison, which is fucking yeah. crazy. So anyway, so this is a... Uh, Kind of moving on in this in this culture section uh, is, is a good this is a good segue because it, it is literally talking about you know someone's life that was fucked and got got pretty fucked up by the uh, the government and uh, you know uh, luckily this person is now free again but um, yeah I mean it was it was just a crazy crazy situation that the government essentially caused and then you know tried to take this person's life uh, by putting them in prison forever. So, uh, like I said, the government, the CIA, was bringing cocaine into the United States uh, via kind of the Bay Area, and then um, going and then bringing it down to Los Angeles to sell to the uh, Bloods and Crips, a lot of the gangs in LA. And um, so, this person that I'm referencing is uh, a guy that goes by Freeway Rick. I don't know if you guys <laughs> have ever uh, heard of the rapper Rick Ross. Uh, this uh. is the real Rick Ross. His real name is Rick Ross. And Rick Ross, the <laughs> rapper, took his name uh, and basically tried to make a career out of it. And fucking once Rick Ross, once Freeway Rick was in prison, Rick Ross came out with, you know, with his name and all of his albums and everything and all of his music, trying to basically profit off this dude's name and did. And uh, was in fact, uh, well, Rick Ross was a fucking correctional officer and didn't actually sell cocaine, didn't. Is this was a total fraud and was just trying to fucking you know profit off this dude's name and his whole career. To be fair, Rick Ross has always denied ever being a correctional officer. 
There's little. But, there's pictures of him, dude. You can, he, you can he, well, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. The fuck is a correctional officer? That's the prison guards. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there are. He said. He said hackers put my face <laughs> from when I was a teenager in high school on other people's bodies <laughs> and put them online yeah. to say he was a, a prison. Again, guard. this is all alleged. None of this is actually proven, but it's yeah. pretty pretty well known in in culture that. that well, to be fair, even for Rick Ross. Highway Rick or Freeway, freeway. Highway Rick. <laughs> I'm Highway Morty. Uh, so, <laughs> so Freeway Rick is still a way cooler nickname than Rick Ross. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. With Freeway absolutely. Rick. Yeah. It makes me think of like a in, in a Cars movie, like a character in in, in one of the Cars cartoons. <laughs> True. <laughs> freeway Rick. Yeah, I mean, well, the the reason that they uh, they called him Freeway Rick is because he said in in South Central because he lived in, he was from South Central L.A. And he said a lot of the reason why people called him Freeway Rick is because there's a lot of different people named Rick that were, you know, selling drugs and or, or around. Okay. And so he lived by the freeway. And so like he, they just they're like, oh, like which, <laughs> wait, like which Rick? He's like, oh, Freeway Rick. <laughs> <Which you're> Rick. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, so Freeway Rick uh, grew up. It was a tennis player um, and would play in fucking tournaments all the time. Was illiterate until he was 28. Uh, <laughs> which is crazy. So. I shouldn't laugh at that. That is like that's such a societal issue that so many people struggle with. But Absolutely. Twenty eight. Yeah. Wait, illiterate meaning like he couldn't read. Yeah, read, write, or spell. Yeah, yeah. And so he was playing Did tennis. You just say that's a lot of people's issue. There's a lot of people in the U.S. Yeah. that are fully illiterate. Yeah, it's that, actually really surprising. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Well, watch the, the 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 soft white underbelly guy on YouTube. There's a really good expose mm. on just like finding these people who are down in the dumps or like out in the middle of nowhere that are just like fully off the grid society wise, and a lot of them are illiterate. That makes sense. Yeah, not everyone is as fortunate as we were to have uh, good education. Some people had crack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so Freeway Rick was like super good at playing tennis and shit and uh, like got into college and was going to like make a tennis career out of it. And when he got into college, they basically figured out he was illiterate and like he, he couldn't. They were just like, there's no way you can fucking continue. Like you, you don't know how to read or write. Like your name is not Freeway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fucked up. Sorry, <laughs> <You're- laughs> <laughs> enough of that, dude. Actually, Freeway Rick, I've I've listened to a lot of interviews and stuff with him. He's actually really fucking smart because when he was in prison, we'll fast forward real quick. When he was in prison, he learned how to read or write, which ended up uh, him learning about a flaw that he ended up. In his whole case, that allowed him to get released from jail and not have to spend life in prison. So fucking shouts out Freeway Rick going from illiterate to literally being a lawyer essentially for himself. It's funny how the prisons offer some some sort of educating yourself in prison. And it has led a lot of people to be like, wait, they got me on some bullshit ass charges that don't even make sense. And then they end up getting themselves out because the fucking legal system didn't do it. Like didn't just do their due diligence and not put them in prison for themselves. Like being illiterate means that you, if you can't read or write what they're saying about you, then you just have to like, you're going off what you hear. And that's not very helpful when you're in court anyway. Yeah, no, totally. And what's funny about that whole situation, even his, well, it's not funny, but his lawyer, even when he brought up the whole thing to his lawyer, his lawyer was like, no, nah, that's not accurate. And he was like, dude, it is. Like, fucking read it. And so essentially, I'll just say now, uh, what happened is he got, it's the three strike law in California. Is yeah. if, you, if you're if you convicted three separate times, um, like, you know, you go to jail, get released, and then go to jail again, get released, go to jail a third time, you get life in prison. Uh, and that's if, I think it's for certain um, 
styles of crimes. I don't know exactly if it's like, you know, it's obviously not like drunk driving or something like that. It's, I think it's like I thought it was crimes. I thought it was literally almost anything. I am not 100% sure about that. It might be, uh, but I, don't, I thought it was uh, harsher crimes. But anyway, regardless, he only had two of those because they convicted him uh, with two things on the same charge, and they were like, "Oh yeah, like that's your third strike." But he didn't go. To, he didn't get convicted three separate times. It was charges on one conviction, and so he, after being in jail for quite a few years, he finally figured that out after he learned how to read and write and stuff, and brought it up to his lawyer, and his lawyer was like, "No, that's not accurate." And then he ended up being like, "Yes, it is." went to court about it and fucking they changed his life sentence to only 20 years and he was and that was i think he was like 11 years in so he had like nine more years in his sentence um and he was like perfect dude like give me the fuck out of here so he spent Damn. nine more years in prison after that and got out and is out now and has Jeez. been out for a while and um he's actually might he, see him on the freeway somewhere <laughs> no he actually well you might yeah i mean he he's actually really good about uh you know being a part of the community and talking to kids and stuff about like not trying to you know go down his path and sell drugs and uh just trying to be like you know someone the community can reach out to for help and he's 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 a fucking pretty dope dude so do you think he he just goes to these kids and just plays life as a highway (laughs) oh my god i hope so dude. (laughs) acoustic 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 life is a highway dude that's a fucking banger dude mtv unplugged (laughs) 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 anyway so um so anyway, so yeah, so uh, so that's Freeway Rick, and we'll get more into all of this in a second. But so then there was this other dude who was named uh, Oscar Danilo Blandon, which was a cocaine dealer in the early '80s who began selling cocaine to Freeway Rick after he, you know, dropped out of college. Well, basically, got kicked out of college. Uh, he started selling cocaine, and uh, so they've said kind of differing times uh, in their testimonies of when they kind of met each other and started, but it's somewhere between 1981 and 1983. And co- uh, crack has been said to have already started in uh, 81, kind of is when it really first started showing up, like 80, 81. Um, which is in- it's a good thing to know because a lot of people, uh, the government tried to pin it on basically Freeway Rick that he was responsible for the crack epidemic essentially. Jesus. Yeah, it's fucked up. Um and which is not accurate. Um and so the the big reason that I am bringing all this up is because um Blandon's uh connect like his his cocaine connection was from Nicaragua. Uh which essentially from what I understand is a lot of the Colombian cartels were um basically trafficking cocaine through Nicaragua during this time. Um a lot of the cocaine came from Colombia. And there was still, I guess, some in Nicaragua as well. So it's hard to say exactly, exactly the true origin of this cocaine, but was basically getting trafficked through Nicaragua. And so anyway, uh, so Freeway Rick was buying cocaine from uh, these two guys who were then getting it from Blandon, and one of them was shot in 83, and the other one fled the country at that point. So Blandon started selling uh, cocaine to uh, Freeway Rick directly in 1984. Which is like we said before, that is like really when the crack epidemic uh, was fully taking place, and uh, you <laughs> sounds know, like this guy kind of caused it. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say caused it, but definitely, uh, definitely had a part, <laughs> a pretty big part. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't have no role. <laughs> no, yeah, he definitely had a big role. And yeah. so, uh, so Freeway Rick uh, has testified that over the seven years of selling crack, he bought uh, around two thousand to three thousand kilos of cocaine from Blandon which is a fuck ton of cocaine. 
Um, but it's interesting because of how much money he's said he's made off of it. I have a feeling it might have been a little more than that. Um, and that was just a broad estimate. Because, But I, I think the reason why it's uh, on his testimony, it's a little lower. And I'm not saying that he, I'm not saying that he lied. Uh, but uh, I think it has probably something to do, you know, he may, the numbers might have gotten, uh, you know, fudged a little bit because of the 100 to 1 law that was in place at that time. So if you, you know, I don't even know if it really matters at that high level of fucking cocaine. But yeah. uh, I mean, still try to get a letter, lesser sentence if possible. Oh, what's a couple thousand kilos <laughs> between friends? Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, I mean, it would be understandable if he did fudge the numbers a little bit, but I'm not saying he did. And uh, again, at that point, with that high of number, it probably didn't wouldn't have mattered anyway. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, during this time in around '84 uh, is when really crack started to take off and was fucking wreaking havoc on black communities, not only because crack is, you know, a- a- addictive and a lot of people were ruining their lives on it, but also because of the way the police were handling it. And the police were, um, tr- like, targeting a lot of the black communities over the white communities, uh, because one thing that's good to know is that uh, two-thirds of crack users during this time were actually white, and uh, a lot of them didn't get convicted. And I think actually... There were no federal convictions uh, between 1988 and 1994. Uh, there were no white people convicted on crack for, on the federal level. In yeah, La- in and the Los statistics, Angeles. the statistics show anywhere from 60 to 75, 78, or something around there. Percentage of crack users were white. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but cops and uh, everyone was uh, targeting black neighborhoods and stuff, um, which is fucked up. And so they were getting the you know the short end of the stick on it, which is crazy. a lot of people got twenty five to life for a lot of that shit. Yeah, exactly because of the hundred to one law, which is mm-hmm. fucking crazy. And it, again, is just trying to throw um, you know the black community in prison, which is fucked up. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, but one of the one of the things about crack though was a really a big game changer for the average drug dealer um, is because the street dealers at that time weren't really making a ton of money from selling cocaine like on a street level. And um, when crack came allowed, uh, came around, it allowed the street dealers to make quite a bit more money because they were able to buy this cocaine, turn it into crack, and then sell it and make a lot more money off of it because of um, how many people were using it and just the nature of smoking crack and continuing to have to smoke it over and over and over again, people coming back all day long to smoke crack. And yeah, so, um, and also like, and I say it's easier at that time comparably to like the mafia and stuff because when you're trying to sell like heroin from like through the mafia or when you were trying to sell heroin before that, like in the 70s, you would have to go through the mafia to be able to like sell in certain areas and uh, because they ran fucking everything. And so, hey, you got a little crack over there. <laughs> well, more heroin, <laughs> uh, but uh, it it basically allowed people who were growing up in these neighborhoods to then start making, buying cocaine and turning it into crack themselves and selling it on corners because, well, cocaine and crack weren't really a huge thing that the mafia was trying to sell. So anyway, moving oh, on. Oh, 
except for that episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> where they find that speaker cabinet. Isn't it full of crack? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a whole that was a whole debacle. <laughs> or at least they get addicted to crack in that show. This is Culture Corner, so we could talk about it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, <laughs> dude, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's all it's all relative, dude. <laughs> yeah, they d- they do talk about crack a lot in that show. Yeah, it, well, it's uh, Kensington Ave, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but just try to get on disability so we could buy more crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. so funny <laughs> yeah. so anyway um uh so like you know with everybody all these people that were growing up in these neighborhoods in these you know generally not super rich neighborhoods uh were you know starting to make a fuck ton of money off of crack and uh you know with money comes greed and brings violence and uh yeah and so um there was a lot of uh just constant fucking violence and killing over money and shit and a lot of people were throwing their lives away to crack whether they were selling it whether they were doing crack uh in 1982 the highest it was the highest unemployment rate has ever been before the two uh the 2009 recession which is fucking crazy uh, a lot of people think it was due to crack because people were just wow. smoking their lives away which is oh, intense so, That's so sad yeah super sad um, so like I said, the, a lot of the, a lot of people were throwing their lives away to crack, whether it be violence with gangs or, uh, you know, trying to control corners and neighborhoods and all that sort of shit. And, uh, and with the money, a lot of people were, uh, able to afford, you know, better guns and, uh, to, you know, help, uh, control these neighborhoods and control their, you know, distribution, make sure no one tries to rob them. And so people were like, it was very common for dealers to fucking, especially in Los Angeles. This was like mostly a Los Angeles thing that people were starting to get fucking like fully automatic uh, weapons, like machine guns and shit. And whether it be like Uzis, AK-47s, all sorts of fucking guns to help protect, you know, their, uh, their crack and their fucking neighborhoods and shit and, you know, their team. And, um... There were fucking murders every single day. People were constantly getting murdered. Police were raiding fucking houses and things, finding machine guns, fucking grenades. At one point, they found a fifty caliber rifle, which is <laughs> fucking crazy. Yeah, uh, I wonder what that was for. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and they do a really good depiction in this, like I mentioned, snowfall uh, of all the violence and shit that really started to go on, and how these people were getting these crazy fucking amounts of guns, like. I, I I heard um actually Freeway Rick came out with a documentary uh, a few years ago that was that was really really good and he talks uh, there's some interviews with you know ex crack dealers that were saying they uh, would literally drive around with a fucking pistol like a Glock in their lap a fucking like a, some sort of like machine gun like an Uzi like a small machine gun or like a Tech Nine or something like in the passenger seat next to them and then like a trunk full of fucking shit of guns in the in the trunk. For any fucking reason, like, if they, like, you know, if another gang or someone tried to, you know, rob them or whatever, like, they were fucking ready, like, at all times, which is crazy. So, I know a lot of these, like, weapons being on the streets, even still now, probably have a lot to do with the crack epidemic and, like, Absolutely. just violence in general uh, and drugs uh, from the, vi- or whatever. So, there was a guy in the last couple of years, I don't remember what it was for, but shot an RPG at a building. 
at like a strip. Oh club. yeah, I remember and hearing about that. Yeah. So I've seen pictures that I didn't think that they were valid of like drug dealers holding fucking RPGs and shit yeah. in the U.S. Like I found the weirdest accounts all over all online of like people holding RPGs and machine guns and all the shit. And I was like, that a lot of that has to be fake. And all of a sudden, a few years ago, it's just like man shoots RPG, yeah. <laughs> like like a lot, like an MLR or whatever fucking military grade RPG in a building. Yeah, a lot of these fucking Hell gangs yeah. <laughs> in that time. Well, I mean, still now it's still it's not as common, but it is, you know, it's not it's not not possible, you know, it's not impossible. So, um, yeah, I mean, dude, during this time there were fucking they had crazy amounts of military weapons like full on grenade launchers and shit. Like people that were in Vietnam were coming back from Vietnam and joining these gangs and seeing the fucking same guns they were using in fucking Vietnam and they were like, "Holy fuck, dude." And like, like grenades, and shit. dude. Yeah, in the, in like fucking Compton and shit, like South Central LA, like in fucking neighborhoods, people having full shootouts with fucking grenades and fucking uh, you know fully automatic weapons and shit. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy that it's not cliche for them to be like it's a war zone out here. It was literally a war yeah. zone, dude. People were coming yeah. back from Vietnam, which we know was one of the most fucked up wars uh, ever, yeah. and people uh, were coming back and being like, whoa. Like it's the same shit. Uh, I said M law. It's N law. N law. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I've never heard of that. That's interesting. It's just a missile launcher that they use in the military. But uh, huh. Yeah, I've seen pictures of drug dealers like holding them. I'm like, Holy yeah, shit, dude, it's that's fucking crazy. Scary. So the whole reason I bring all this up is because Freeway Rick said that uh, at one point he had enough fi- firepower to take on the police. Like he said, he believed he had enough fire- firepower that they could take on the police and fucking possibly win. Like, that's how fucking much guns and ammo and fucking all the shit, like, they were fucking ready for anything. And, Damn, um, oh, what's up? Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just, just gonna say, David Koresh should have started selling crack then. Who's that? The Waco guy. The, um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone that was the, the Branch Davidians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He should have, dude. They might have. I'm pretty fucking... sure he had, like, all this type of stuff, too. Yeah. Like, they had, like, straight up military like weapons and, and so much of it that that's why like the ATF got involved. Dude, and, wow. In 2019, they seized two rocket launchers within a week <laughs> at Where? an airport. What? At what? BWI Airport. Where's seized that? Seized two rocket Dude, launchers in a scary. week. Where's, US where's... Air Force sergeant tried to keep it as a keepsake, quote unquote. Uh, well, that's yeah, that's different. Okay, but still, still like, freaky. but but that kind of thing is what leads to them being on the the, the streets is like people bringing oh, yeah. them back from wars or even like cold, uh, like weird, uh, black op shit in South America. They brought up back all these weapons with the cocaine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's it's crazy, and um, yeah, it's interesting though because like Freeway Rick was like, I'm not about like violence or any of that type of shit, like. If someone steals from us, like, I'm just going to, you know, give them more fucking dope and then just, like, cut them off. Like, I'm not going to just go start murdering people and shit. But he was like, we are ready, though, in case some shit does go down. Like, we will have the most firepower. <laughs> and uh, it just, it's just fucking intense. That, like, yeah, dude, it's like a little, living in a literal war zone. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> We're like, he's even said that, like, he's tried to get, like, the police have tried to pull, like, pull him over. And he just does like a fucking duck and roll where like the car's still rolling. He just hops out and starts running. And they're like shooting at him. Like the cops are trying to kill him. Like over fucking just trying to get like cocaine. 
or like trying to get the upper hand of being like, oh, he shot at us. We had to kill him. And then like we confiscated all this money, which then they were corrupt officers and they were putting in their fucking pockets and shit. And it, Life dude, is a highway. That's why I think it's so funny that GTA was based on LA, kind of. Oh, it 100% was based in LA, dude. Yeah, so yeah. it's just hilarious that it's like... <laughs> well, it depends on, I guess, which uh, GTA. But yeah, San Andreas and uh, GTA 5, definitely LA. <laughs> I think Grand Theft Auto 1, like the original. Oh, yeah, LA. I think you're right about that, too. Um, and I, I guess when I say GTA San Andreas, there's parts that are LA, but there's also parts that are Vegas and then San Francisco, too. Um, but anyway, yeah, dude, I, it's it's crazy. Um, I don't believe there are parts that are Vegas. I think there are, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure there are in San Andreas. I'm pretty sure there's uh, a look. Oh, you do. Does some it research. have to do with the San Andreas fault? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, really that's a good Vegas. point. I didn't think about that. If it includes fr- uh, Frisco, that's what everyone likes to call it, right? What Frisco? Frisco, <laughs> SF. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when people say Frisco, it gets me. I'm like, every now and then, I'll, every now and then, I'll accidentally let that slip, and I'm just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like whoever I'm talking like, about, I'm like, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> San San Fran's the one I hear come out of Raven's mouth. All San Fran, but I say F- SF, I or I say the Bay. When people say the five, I want my hop on the five. And <laughs> Dude, I'll that's literally soon. how everybody talks in LA. They call the freeways the whatever freeway, like the ten, the five, the one hundred and one. Uh, I say it every day, dude. <laughs> Literally every day. Uh, so anyway, um, but yeah, so Freeway Rick was like constantly trying to get murdered by fucking police. Uh, the, the police oh, yeah. were crazy corrupt. They were constantly pulling people over, trying to plant drugs on people. And uh, because at one point, the government was giving um, these, because I think it came with the, the 86 uh, uh, anti-drug abuse law. Um that they were giving a, a lot of funding to the police departments based on how much, um, like a lot of the money that they were confiscating from these drug dealers were going back into the police department. And so they, these cops were just like, oh, like, don't worry about fucking confiscating crack or guns or whatever that. Figure out who has the most money and fucking take that shit, essentially. And so all these corrupt cops were, you know, trying to get these people that, had, that they knew that had money and uh, doing anything they could to get that money and, you know, uh, put it in their own pockets. And a lot of people were, you know, they'd confiscate $2 million, but they'd only report, you know, 500000 or a million. The rest of that would get split up between the corrupt officers. That's so fucked. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And so, uh, and there's even, like, ex-police officers that have, like, admitted to this. They're like, yeah, like, this was totally happening. And uh, it's crazy. Um, so, anyway, yeah, so eventually, uh, Freeway Rick, through all of this, got arrested um and then uh he went to jail for five years and then got out and then spent i don't know how much time he spent out of prison but then the dude who was originally selling him cocaine who's the uh, nicaraguan connect had been working with the dea or the cia i think it was the dea um and basically set him up and uh like he was like yeah i was like oh you're gonna sell me this amount of cocaine for this cheap like all right fine went to go do the deal got arrested and fucking boom they were like life in prison and then he ended up like i said earlier figuring out that uh they couldn't do that fell for that honey pot yep um so i mean that's essentially what i have about freeway rick uh there's a there's an interesting fact that i did find out though is that uh he funded anita baker's first album the songstress because he also funded uh the canadian musician tom cochran really 
Yeah. Hmm. For the song Life is a Highway. It's oh written my about God. Shut the freeway. Fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought Life was a Highway was a uh, fucking Rascal Flats. Uh I, I was Owen Wilson. <laughs> wow. <laughs> life is a highway. <laughs> wow. Life is a highway. <laughs> That's funny. Uh anyway, but yeah, dude, I mean, there's a fuck ton of interviews with Freeway Rick. I highly recommend uh watching his documentary um cuz a lot of this information I just kind of tried to throw in quickly because we don't have a ton of time. But yeah, if you want to learn more about Freeway Rick, check out any of his interviews. The dude's fucking actually really smart for uh being illiterate for his first 28 years of life. I also want to remind the audience that this is the guy that Rick Ross based his name off. Oh, right. That's another uh, really fun fact. And also in the show uh, Snowfall, uh, the the main character, Franklin Saint, Saint is, uh, he's loosely based off of um, uh, Freeway Rick. Yeah. And even um, the dude who created the show, I think uh, it was like John Singleton or something like that, uh, Freeway Rick was just like, yeah, dude, like he said he came out that he, they talked at one point about doing a show together or doing a movie or something together. And then John Singleton like just disappeared. And then all of a sudden Snowfall came out and like didn't credit fucking Freeway Rick at all. And then in 2019, John Singleton died. I don't know what of, but uh, they never got to the bottom of this whole situation. So fucking it's all these people profiting off Freeway Rick, not giving him any fucking money. That's rough. Huh. Yeah, I wonder if he um, was familiar with the unwritten rules of the freeway. Yeah, um, he probably was. Yeah. Oh, also the main whole reason why I was uh, uh, I brought up freeway Rick is because uh, relating to the whole CIA thing is that the CIA were funding his the uh, Blandon guy. They were giving. It's said that all the cocaine that he was getting was from the whole Nicaraguan thing, where they would bring guns down. And then bring cocaine back, and all of that was going to this Blandon guy, who was then distributing it to Freeway Rick, who was then distributing it to all of fucking Los Angeles, mm. which is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and all of this came out because this reporter named Gary Webb, uh, W E B B, uh, in 1996, after um, Freeway Rick, Rick went to prison, uh, Gary wrote a series of articles uh, for the San Jose Mercury News titled Dark Alliance. And then he also wrote a book in 98 based off these uh, articles that he wrote. But these articles uh, told the story of how the CIA was funding the crack epidemic by selling guns to the Contras in Nicaragua and turning, you know, all the same shit I just said. And, you know, bringing the cocaine back to sell to the Crips and Bloods of South Central Los Angeles. And the government has even come out uh, since and acknowledged that these accusations, some of these accusations are true. Um, they didn't say that they sanctioned any of this, but they have said that, you know, certain operators have turned a blind eye or, uh, went on their own to bring cocaine in the U S. So it is a fact that the CIA was bringing cocaine into the United States. Um, but it is not proven that the CIA, um, like the head of the CIA was responsible for this. They were saying it was more just like individuals were either turning blind eye or, um, it's almost like wrong. they set up a perfect web of undeniable, like deniability. Like, oh exactly. no, it wasn't us. Exactly. Oh, it was. Oh, it w- wasn't actually us doing anything directly. We were just turning blind eyes. Yep. Well, and one of the things that I've always thought about with this guy is like, w- why would a human being, like a journalist, write an article, multiple articles, then write a book that essentially is 
giving the CIA a reason to kill you. Yeah. Well, why would so, you do that? Yeah. Like, I mean, he to just fake it. You know what I mean? Like it, it wouldn't make sense if he faked it all. We're doing it right now. motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, uh, that's a good point. Um, I think he was, I think there was just so much outcry in the public about this whole thing and the rumors were going around. And I think he just wanted to be the first one to report about it and make his career. You know, he wanted his career to jump off because of this. And, uh, yeah. you know, well, it's kind of like Edward Snowden. He's like, to be a whistleblower, you have to go full bore. Like you can't yeah. fucking back down. So if right. you're going to whistleblow to that extent where you're thinking you're going to have governments after you or government agencies after you, you're probably not lying. Yeah. And I think yeah. he also knew, I think he also thought, I think he uh, didn't think of how powerful the CIA actually was. Because uh, now we know at this point, like, how much fucked up shit they've done over the years. But at that point, I don't think, you know, there was a lot of public knowledge about the CIA doing corrupt shit. And so, so I think he, he was just like, oh, if I put this out into the public, there's no way they can get away with this or you know killing me because i'll be protected but let's just say that there's quote-unquote a lot of evidence showing that they've led to a lot of quote-unquote depression leading to quote-unquote suicide with two gunshot wounds in the back of the head yeah (laughs) literally that's what happened with this guy (laughs) there's a good movie on him uh it's called kill the messenger oh yes i haven't seen that yet I, i want to though yeah, you should. It's good. It, I think what's sad is I do think that he had like a family. Like mm, he did, yeah. Kids. Yeah. Um, so you would think that that yeah, he doesn't. He probably wasn't the type of person that was just like ready to go off and like kill himself. Yeah, you know, exactly. At all. <laughs> well, and what's crazy about it too is that uh, after and so in two thousand four, uh, allegedly he killed himself. But the way he killed himself is he shot himself in the head two times with mm-hmm. a thirty eight caliber pistol. Which As how most do you people sh- do? How do you kill yourself by shooting yourself twice in the head? And it was probably exit wounds in the front of his head. Yeah, I don't know about I, I don't know about any of that. I mean, but. I will say that there's always you've heard of people getting shot and then the bullet getting stuck, um, or people even shooting themselves in the mouth and then like you know putting the, the of course barrel in the mouth and then it not working. Of course. So like I could see this being the case, but with the background like the information that we know of with him Exactly. And, it doesn't it's like so <laughs> it doesn't add up. No. It adds up to the CIA doing some <laughs> exactly. fuck shit. Exactly. <laughs> it, it adds up to murder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um yeah, so in Gary Webb even uh you know when interviewed uh Freeway Rick in prison and stuff and uh told him about all this cuz Freeway Rick had no idea well allegedly he's this is what he said he had no idea that any of the cocaine was coming from the CIA. He did, he didn't even know where Nicaragua was or what it was. He was just like all I know is I'm getting cocaine from some Nicaraguan dudes and uh I'm selling it and making a fuck ton of money. And um and so he you know, had no idea until Gary Webb went to the prison and told him about all this stuff. And he was just, and then, you know, uh, fucking Freeway Rick was just like, oh shit, like, started, you know, piecing things together and was like, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, so he, through that, allegedly, allegedly through that, he found out that he, uh, you know, was supplying cocaine to South Central uh, via the CIA. <laughs> so. Hmm. Um, I'm curious because of Nicaragua being um, its own, you know, country aside from Colombia. I think a lot of people relate Colombia to cocaine and whatnot. But right, um, I'm curious if do you guys know if Pablo Escobar had anything to do with the Nicaraguan cocaine? Yeah, so I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yes. So, uh, especially the the Medellin cartel 
partnered a lot with the uh, with the Contras to then traffic it into the U.S. Uh, via Nicaragua. Um, okay. Because this was all around his time, right? Exactly. Yeah, this was absolutely during this time. Um, so actually, yeah, I'll just get into that right now, and then I'll I'll circle back to some not so fun facts. <laughs> uh, so um, I mentioned this the other day, but have you guys ever heard of a dude named Barry Seal? Uh, he was a uh, singer. <laughs> no, he was a he was an air, airline pilot. And uh, there's there's a movie I don't know if you've heard of. It's called American Made. Um, it's pretty popular. It's got Tom Cruise in it. It's essentially a movie loosely based on this guy's life. You should, you should watch it. It's really good. It, it doesn't really depict it in the exact manner. Uh, well, it's actually pretty far fetched, but um, it, it essentially does tell the story of this dude's life who um, was basically a, he was he was uh, bringing cocaine back. He was, he was smuggling cocaine in the United States for the Medellin cartel uh, through planes. And this dude was a pilot. He learned he got his pilot's license at the age of sixteen. Uh, and there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of differing information of exactly how he started. But, um, anyway, he, it was said that he was working for the CIA and, uh, like early on in like the fifties and sixties, uh, flying planes for him and stuff. Like, uh, it said that he was flying planes, uh, to Vietnam during the Vietnam war and was also a part of the Bay of Pigs in Cuba and he even um, was bringing, at one point, uh, brought a bunch of um, plastic explosives to Mexico to then have that delivered to Cuba to fight against uh, Castro. Um, hmm. But a lot of that is not necessarily proven, and so it, it's a lot of kind of theor- theoretical. Um, but dude was definitely smuggling. The one thing is he was definitely smuggling, smuggling cocaine for the Medellin cartel. And so, um, is the sorry is the Medellin cartel uh, Escobar's? Yes. Okay. Uh, So, I never knew what the name of his cartel. Yeah. Sorry. No. I should. I should definitely um, let people know that because I guess it's not a common thing to know. (laughs) But yeah. So, uh, yeah, Escobar's whole cocaine company was the Medellin cartel that he started with. uh, the Ochoa family or something like that. Um, anyway, so this dude, Barry, grew up in Louisiana, uh, fucking learned how to fly planes from super young age. Uh, he worked for, uh, TWA Airlines as a commercial pilot at one point and just uh, got bored essentially because he was just like, fucking, I'm not doing anything fun. And so he ended up, uh, starting to smuggle marijuana at first and then uh, moved up to cocaine at one point. And, um, Got arrested, um, I think in Honduras, and then met somebody that was a part of the Medellin cartel, kind of hooked him up. And then he started smuggling cocaine into uh, the United States, uh, you know, flying down to Colombia all the time and coming back. And a lot of people say that he was actually working for the CIA before all this because, you know, again, I brought up the whole Bay of Pigs thing and all that. Um, so it's alleged that he was working for the CIA before he even met the Medellin cartel. But some people say that it was after. Um, but regardless, that he was for sure working with the DI with the DEA um, and possibly the CIA, because that is for sure proven. Um, but no one knows really when that kind of started uh, mm-hmm. because of government <laughs> withholding of information and shit and all the secretive stuff. But anyway, uh, so 
essentially what the theories of what he was doing is he was flying, you know, when the the person the people who were bringing the guns down and bringing the cocaine back, the, they say Barry was one of the people that were bringing the guns to Nicaragua to the Contras and then bringing cocaine back into the United States. And the way he was doing that is through um, flying planes super fucking low over the border so you don't get uh, noticed by radar and shit. And then he would drop bags of cocaine from his plane, like parachute them uh, down to the ground. People would pick them up and then he would land in an airstrip. And then, you know, if the cavity searched you or did all of whatever searching, they wouldn't find anything because he already dropped it all out of the plane. <laughs> they just immediately go to the cavity search. Oh, dude, and fucking <laughs> for and, kilos well, of cocaine. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> all right, asshole, let's go. <laughs> Straight so, to jail. Well, <laughs> what's great is that uh, this is actually probably where the cocaine bearer movie started. Yeah, because absolutely. that actually this was is, based yes. on a real story. Yeah. So, but that was in Colorado. This guy was. Flying more or less through uh, the south, kind of like Louisiana and Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> well, cocaine what hike. I can't imagine is like when you're when you're the one that's involved with having to pick up the parachutes, like mm-hmm. your your life is on the line of like if you don't find that one that you saw, like you're like right when you were looking up there, you're like, Okay, I see where it's going. And then once you get to what you thought was the destination, it's gone. Yeah. And you're just like Oh fuck! <laughs> or imagine it's like up in a tree that has yeah. no way of climbing exactly. without like fucking. Or the spurs. wind just caught it yeah. like last minute <laughs> yeah. it's in a different state. Well, now. so this is <laughs> or it's what, going down the river. <laughs> well, so this is a this is a story that actually did happen. Uh, these two kids uh, near where they were dropping all this fucking cocaine, either cocaine saw kids. saw or found it, <laughs> saw or found it, and uh, were fucking murdered by these cart- by these cartel people. Uh, because they found out uh, essentially about this whole situation and uh, they were dropping co- cocaine from the sky and they placed them on a train track uh, oh and essentially God. said that they got like their car, that they parked on a train track and fell asleep in their car and the train like fucking, fucking ran them over. Yeah. And, uh, but then the parents were like, that's fucking weird. Did, paid for an autopsy, figured out they had stab, like stab wounds and hmm. fucking uh, were murdered. And Do we know how whole- old these kids were? I think like 16 or 17, something like that. They're oh, pretty young. okay. I was thinking like eight-year-old, 10-year-old kids. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminds me of that scene in Breaking Bad when the kid is dirt biking right. and they're, yeah. they're like doing the train track situation and that fucker just comes up and shoots him. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. It's so interesting at this absolutely high level of government selling drugs, um, not talking about the cartel members who killed them, even though they are literally <laughs> selling drugs within their government and ours. Um it's weird how loose-lipped these people are. They're like, oh, yeah, this fucking, this, this guy, what's his name, Barry Seal? Yeah, no, he was flying the planes. Like, well, no it, one had problems <laughs> just fucking saying this guy's name. Yeah, El well, Gordo, you'll know him because he's fat. Yeah, well, I was going to say, actually, yeah, so his nickname was El Gordo because he was fat, and El Gordo means <laughs> fat man. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so the interesting thing is that Barry was like, a fucking loudmouth himself. Like he was mm. constantly, like, he would get drunk and shit at bars and just be like, "Yeah, I'm doing this," blah, and just like, just talk about it. And it's like, dude, what That's the fuck are you doing? So anyway, um, so he was flying all the time back and forth to either Colombia, uh, or Nicaragua, and even at one point, um, so he got in trouble and or and they started to kind of catch on to him in Louisiana, <laughs> and then so the he bought an airstrip in uh, I think. It's, Mena or Meta, uh, Arkansas. One of those is a small little town, like five thousand people. 
bought an airstrip and uh, was doing it out of there, and which allegedly was uh, funded by the CIA. And at one point, even allegedly, uh, flew in Nicaraguan soldiers to have the U.S. military train them on his land and then fly them back to fight against the Sandinista government in Nicaragua, wow. which is fucking crazy. You think they were just scared of doing it in Texas because they were like, uh, <laughs> if we get caught in Arkansas. Well, there's also the woods in Arkansas. Right. Because they would have to fly over Texas to get to Arkansas. Yeah, but also like this town was just like such a small town that they were like, oh, this is perfect. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, fucking pretty crazy. And so, uh, I guess he was never in really direct contact with Pablo Escobar, uh, until the kind of the end. Um, and he's actually responsible for one of the more famous photos of Pablo, um, because he, the, so basically once he got, he got caught in like 82 or 83 or something like that, and then started working as a DEA informant in 84. And they basically were like, you have to take pictures of like Pablo Escobar, like we we needed to get pictures of him like loading cocaine into, uh, into the planes and stuff like that, um, or him being at least being there. And so he uh, took these little like cameras uh, and hit them in his uh, plane and wired up a whole thing so he could just press a button and they would automatically take pictures and shit. And so he flies down there in a military grade plane. How does he get a military grade plane? Probably working for the working for the well, I guess he was working for the DA at that point. So yeah, uh, not really, not really a conspiracy. <laughs> uh, well, it, it is a conspiracy. So how did he get this? <laughs> I like how you, I like how you set it up for yourself, yeah. and then you're like, actually, yeah, no, I, I had a brief part right there. So uh, anyway, so uh, he flies down, uh, is like shitting himself the whole time because he's like, if I get caught, like they're gonna fucking brutally torture me. Like this is gonna be fucked. So oh, I had a bunch of cocaine up his ass. <laughs> cavity search. Hopefully exactly. they don't do a cavity <laughs> Exactly. So anyway, so Pablo uh, shows up this day and is even, there's pictures of him and these are famous pictures. You could look up Pablo Escobar, uh, look up Pablo Escobar Barry Seal picture and you'll see the pictures. Um, and anyway, so he took all these pictures, Pablo fucking literally with a fucking duffel bag of cocaine loading it into the plane and uh, he flew back with the cocaine and everything. And uh, the the government was so excited on these pictures that they leaked them to the press, basically outing fucking Barry uh, for being an informant. And then the Medellin cartel put a hit on him for $500,000 uh, to uh, get him uh, dead, for him to be dead. And then a million if he's alive. And uh, so then... Fast forward a little bit, uh, he was, um, because of him working with the DEA, they gave him like six months, uh, pro, uh, not probation, but uh, community service. He had worked at the Salvation Army store and he was on his way, he was either on his way home or he was going to the Salvation Army store and uh, the Medellin uh, cartel members fucking murdered him in fucking <laughs> plain sight and uh, basically got left out to dry by the CIA and was essentially their fault for... Um, them giving pictures those pictures to the uh press who fucking went nationwide with it and then even reagan uh even uh used those pictures to be like see this is why we need to fucking fund the contras and shit <laughs> that is insane yeah it's fucking wild that so, yeah. whole that whole like intertwinedness of like 
funding the Contras that is funding the cocaine import into the U.S. and also being against drugs and being like, look, drugs are killing people, but let's fund the people that are bringing the drugs into the U.S. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, the the pictures that you referenced earlier, it's really interesting because they're like super grainy, super black and white. Oh, Obviously, yeah. we're done with like a, the early 90s or was this 80s or this 90s? This was mid 80s. I think it was mid 80s or 85 little spy camera i i i want to see the spy camera i'm sure that there's pictures in the movie american made you should really watch it it's a good it's a good film but it kind of shows like uh, in theory how how they were set up in the plane and stuff and oh okay yeah there were essentially these little like cameras that were attached to the inside of the plane uh that he could like stand there and then like hold like a press a little button or whatever like so he was like in the movie he was essentially pretending to like lean against the wall like while they were like loading it all in but he was like pressing a button to like get him to take pictures well, it's like interesting that the guy, they're all looking directly at the camera and then yeah. one guy has his hand up like, hey, what are you taking a fucking picture for? Is what he looks like he's saying. <laughs> yeah. Hey. And what's crazy about those pictures too is uh, I don't remember if it's the leader of uh, the of the Nicaraguan uh, Contras, but someone that's like higher up is also there, which shows that like, you know, they were working directly with Pablo uh, to import cocaine to the U.S which is fucking yeah. crazy. So yeah, I mean, I, it's a fuck ton of information. Thickens. It's a lot of fucking shit, but yeah. it is pretty fucking interesting. Um, I would suggest if you're interested in this, do some more of your own research because it's fucking crazy. Uh, there's tons of interviews out there with uh, Freeway Rick and there's tons of information about you know all this with the CIA and stuff. Mm-hmm. and It's pretty sick. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of the end of culture for the most part but i'm going to talk about a couple like not so fun facts really quick uh because these are some not so fun facts <laughs> so uh relating kind of to um the whole los angeles uh and war i guess not necessarily war but like the government just fucking fucking over black neighborhoods uh between 1985 and 1995 there was a 707 percent increase of black prisoners for drug offenses Jesus. Yeah. That's uh, in a t- fucking yeah. crazy. Well, and then, okay. So this is 707% increase on what was already probably an astronomical number. Yeah. I don't know the exact like number of people. It's a fucking really high number though, but that's essentially why they built so many prisons in the uh, early 90s is because uh, they were they needed a place for all these people to go because they were making so many fucking arrests and the government was then just profiting well not necessarily the government was profiting off of these arrests it was more so like these private prisons and everything that were profiting off of all this but yeah it was essentially um, they, it was a mixture between that 1986 uh, anti-drug law mixed with the nineteen ninety four. For, uh, I believe it was a uh, law that Bill Clinton put into place about it's a, it's a violent crimes act. And essentially those two together is why there was so many, there was a, just a flood of fucking people going to prison in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. And, um, it's fucked up. Yeah. And so it just, yeah, it sucks that the evidence has been in front of everyone's faces for so long and you still have ignorant people denying it. Yeah. We shouldn't teach this shit in school. There's nothing racist about the United States. It's all <laughs> it's all factual and there's nothing the, you know, well, white people don't pick on black people historically. It's, oh yeah, well, well what's what's Florida's reasoning for uh, not the teaching. Rosa Parks thing? Oh wait, what? 
Oh, do you not know about this? No, I've never heard about this. What? <laughs> okay, so I don't know if it's fully been it's in effect yet, but I think that in the public school system in Florida, they're trying to uh, keep people from saying, uh, you cannot say Rosa Parks and the situation about the bus uh, while saying that she was a black woman. Oh, because what? it makes the white person in the 21st century feel as if they did something wrong when they had nothing to do with it. So this is like the, that was like their reasoning for this it. This is what? the like ignorant current racist people argument yeah. in trying to make like, well, we did nothing wrong. Yeah. Well, doesn't matter if we personally didn't do anything. The yeah. societal impact is there and the systems in place are still there and nothing's been done about it. And there's still people doing it at a rate that's higher than the same race doing it to the same race. So the issue is that it's still going on, no matter if you did anything or not. It's like I, I just don't like that argument. Well, I did nothing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The damage is done and it's still being done. <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't matter if you personally didn't do it. Well, and then right. like trying to hide it in history is what's really fucked yeah. up yeah. about. Um, and again, I mean, I think that that's one of the things that like Dare probably never ever would have brought up when teaching kids about crack cocaine was how white people, you know, Essentially, we're not being convicted for it. Oh, yeah. yeah and they were all. the predominant people that were using crack cocaine. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking crazy. When, when, every, when everybody teaches like about crack, they're like, oh, in all these black neighborhoods. And it's like, okay, well, what about two-thirds of the white neighborhoods where all these people were using crack? You don't want to fucking yeah. talk about that. And uh, it, yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucking crazy. So that's as much as this has all been already covered, that's why I felt it was necessary to talk about all this because... You know, even though some people have already talked about this, it's, it's actually quite popular. But it's oh. still good to fucking continue to talk about this shit because. So, so uh, what Micah was referring to is that the, there's a bill being proposed in Florida. I'm not aware if it got passed, but it would make it illegal for someone to, uh, in court, for a defendant in a defamation case. To involve anything to do with race, sex, sexual orientation, or gender identity. So it's led to a lot of people to be like, so you can't call someone racist. I don't know. Apparently it's Whoa. like going viral as it is now illegal to call someone racist, homophobic, or transphobic. Yeah. It has something to do I know with that. about that part. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. A coworker was telling us about it. Yeah. That like essentially wow. you, you could get fined 10 grand, I think. Are 35, you serious? 30, 35 grand. $35,000. Are you yeah, for calling, fucking serious? For but, calling someone racist. But this is like, the, this what? is like, this is fluffer news stuff. So yeah, apparently yeah. it is true that the bill would change legal standards for anonymous sources in the news stories. It would not make it illegal <laughs> to call someone racist, homophobic, or transphobic. So it's the news and in court, you're not allowed to do it. But you can call right. someone racist still. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that makes sense too because freedom of expression. But, yeah. Um, that's fucking It is interesting though crazy. that these things are happening. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's scary. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to express my opinions on here anymore. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It, that's fucking well, crazy. I mean, they're I mean, incredibly invalid, so. I know. I know. Uh, so real quick just to wrap up the culture, this is one other thing that I thought was interesting just cuz we're all comedy fans. Uh, Richard Pryor was found wandering around his uh, outside his home. <laughs> The early 80s, I don't know exactly what year it was, but uh, in the San Fernando Valley, uh, he was badly burned. 
uh, because he was freebasing coke. Uh, sorry, not freebasing. He was smoking the freebase of cocaine. <laughs> Uh, with, with, with everybody say, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no, fucking, not, it's not fun. Uh, so he was smoking the free base of cocaine with ether. Uh, you smoke I guess, a crack. Yes. And so when, uh, when he, when he lit his lighter, it exploded and caused his clothes to catch on fire. Uh, and he basically Hell. was fucking running around in his neighborhood, just on fire. And they said 50% of his body was burned. Which is Whoa. crazy. So he got fucked up from this, but his wow. uh, the his publicity people or whatever tried to basically say that it was like a suicide attempt. Um, that he basically poured a bunch of rum all over him and then just lit himself on fire. It's like uh, he was smoking crack and getting drunk and had yeah. too good of a time. Yeah, yeah, basically, that's essentially what happened. Have, have so. you ever been being burnt and didn't realize it? You don't know for like way too long. Well, One that's time what they I said. had a. One time I had a vape pen catch on fire in my pocket and it caught my pocket oh, on shit. fire. And like, I thought my leg was just like, why is my leg itchy? And I just kept itching it. And I was like, what the fuck? And then it was like probably a minute before I noticed a hole burning open Dude, in my pants in my pocket. That's crazy. And I, because I, I started to smell it too. But for a while, you don't know what's happening. So if you were spilling rum on yourself, smoking crack, the rum <laughs> lights on fire. You're not going to know for a second. <laughs> yeah. Or videos of people with their hair on fire. Oh, yeah, totally. Too. Yeah. Yeah, and so they were even saying I've that like that. he was walking. Oh my god! Of course you have. <laughs> I mean, okay. just because of your hair, not because of the way you are. <laughs> uh, what were you gonna say? For the lim- listeners at home, uh, big hair. Yeah, it was a situation where it was like, forget why, but we lit up paper to light our bowl. Yeah, like we didn't have a lighter, but we somehow got the paper to light up. I oh, think we might have used the stove. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent yeah. the stove. And then when I held the paper. Like the flame got much larger than I expected it. Oh my god! <laughs> it was back when I had my hair all froed out. Yeah, so it was like worst timing ever. But That's, yeah, it, dude, <laughs> caught pretty quick. How much fucking did your hair burn off? Like how much? Not a lot. I was I got it quickly, but That's fucking if I hilarious. wouldn't have known, like, yeah, I could have. If you it's were on surprising. crack, you might not have known, dude. Sorry, what you saying? It's surprising how fast it actually takes hair to like go down when it's on fire. It depends. Yeah, I think some people, point. if they have really dry hair, it's going to be quick. Oh, true. <laughs> if you have oily yeah. hair. Yeah. Was your hair pretty conditioned? <laughs> no. Oh, shit. <laughs> so yeah. you would have caught quick, Not dude. It would have <laughs> caught. It would have been really fast. Damn. It already started to stink. I mean, once in a great while, like you guys know what it's like when you're lighting a bowl too close to your face. Or something. Catch then, an eyebrow. Yeah. Have <laughs> 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 you ever caught an eyelash? No. Oh, that would suck. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it well, probably happens to the girls that wear those eyelashes all the oh, time. Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> you know, like they said, well, like the Grateful Dead said, once in a while you get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. <laughs> Had to bring up the dead for about fucking crack. <laughs> right, I'm going home. Uh, I anyway, mean, Jerry Garcia was fam- a famous crackhead. Yeah, that's true. No heroin, but <laughs> <laughs> same thing, right? Uh, I mean, I want. I'm. I know there was. I know there was cocaine. I know there was cocaine around during the the dead era. So I'm curious if uh, if anyone ever tried crack. They definitely smoked crack. Yeah, I, I have a good feeling. At least some of them smoked crack. <laughs> anyway, no, so, um, that's essentially I have all I have for culture. So, okay, thanks, yeah. dude. I appreciate dude, that. Was yeah, that was fucking. That's good. Yeah, it took me fucking. <laughs> do you want all some water? Research. Yeah, I do need some water. Actually, my throat's a little <laughs> yeah, raspy, dude. That's it. Say. Took me so far. I've been researching so much all week, dude. I've just been constantly listening to podcasts and shit. And just been like, holy, fuck. that was good. Very informative. Very uh, 
yeah. uh, telling of the the state of the way the things were in the U.S. back in the 80s and 90s. And I just want to say that is the uh, that obviously the end of the culture for this episode, but not for this topic. Mm. We're gonna go way yes, deeper into yeah. it in the future. So yeah, we're gonna talk about strictly music stuff related in the future. Uh, but I've, I've more about this even. It just we need an, we we need entire episodes to cover this. So oh, it's totally, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just like I don't want people to think we're missing out on anything. We know we know about all the other shit. Well, even just let us know if we don't. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, we're gonna be talking about a lot more. Yeah, totally. Um, topics. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the the few takeaways from this, uh, if you do, if you want to research more on your own, um, like I said. There's that documentary, Freeway Rick, you can find it on YouTube. Um, there, He's been on the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, the Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan Experience twice. Uh, he's even had Rick, the real, he's had the fake Rick Ross on uh, as well. The fake, the fake real. Yeah, the, the fake, fake real. real Rick Ross. <laughs> the fake real Rick Ross. Exactly. Um, and they're super interesting. Uh, and, yeah, Freeway Rick, shout out, positive shout out that guy. As much... Uh, harm as he's done to i'm on joe Rogan, uh, he's well he's done a good job about <laughs> trying to uh you know make up for it and do good in the community and stuff and i think that's really great so anyway yeah i want to watch science the heard. documentary it's really good dude you should check it out it's fucking crazy um yeah it's, it's really it's really well done so anyway <laughs> yeah. good good shit yeah dude Hell yeah Fuck so fucking why tell us about science, Micah? Well, why is uh why is crack so addictive? Why what is what does it do to your brain? Well, I want to talk about Richard Pryor really quick. <laughs> oh, do you really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. Well, so I didn't learn anything about him until now. But uh the ether part. So I think that <clears throat> my, he might have been making crack. That's like, what I think he was doing, to, yeah. Yeah. And because <laughs> <laughs> it's ether is used in making crack. Right. Um but not always. A lot of you can make crack just using baking soda and water, um, and I'm not really outing myself by saying that, or like or making our podcast look bad by saying very that. Very well known because it's a very yeah, well known thing. Absolutely, yeah. it's fucking. Um, they tell you how to do it and fucking get rich or die trying. Exactly the, movie, the Fifty Cent movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then it, it that's like just the really really basic method of doing it. However, you can do it with um other stuff. Essentially, any. Anything that um, will bring the pH up to a really high number. Um, so if anyone doesn't know, when coming down to the pH scale, uh, we're talking about acidic things are low pH numbers. And this is um, essentially just saying like the power of uh, the amount of hydrogen ions that are in something. And so if you have a really low pH, you have something that's highly acidic. If you have something that's got a really high pH, you've got something that's highly basic. And so crack cocaine is basic. And you can use a lot of uh, basic or the other words. For- Sorry, I just thought of fucking basic white chicks to smoke and crack. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it is. It's more basic than the bean belt, dude. <laughs> Save money, live better. Crack. Crack. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, well, what I was going to say is that ether is something that you can use uh, to boil with the um, cocaine and can remove adulterants. So if you guys heard mm. of the acetone wash, yeah, um, uh, yeah, with cocaine, yeah. So people, what a lot of the times, if they're planning on injecting cocaine, they'll wash it with something like acetone, which has the ability to pull out most most of the adulterants, but then mm. leave the cocaine in a different layer, 
So you can actually kind of use like a flask and separate or a beaker or whatever you want to do. And then separate them to now that you have cocaine without a cut. Do you think the confusion came when people started talking about washing coke and washing crack that people started adding in laundry detergent and just so <laughs> <laughs> do you yeah. think they were like I'm washing it yeah probably Damn. dude that's so fucked because there's no actual reason at, that I could find why these things get added to it yeah. but I think laundry detergent in specifically gets added to coke well like, it probably is crazy. the look of it maybe because yeah. like borax, borax and like yeah. a lot of those things they have a very just normal powdery look to them right and you um, hear laundry detergent you immediately think tide but things like borax it's a natural chemical and it looks like crack or cocaine yeah. kind of and i'm pretty sure it's not harmful to ingest i could be wrong but yeah I'll I, don't look it up. I don't know um so one of the things is we've thrown around I, all i was gonna say about him was that likely he didn't <laughs> um using that as like a wash he likely didn't uh let it evaporate long enough <laughs> So it was still flammable. Uh, so, oh, so when he went to smoke it, it just fucking blew up in his face? Yeah. Hell and yeah. he could have just waited longer and the ether would have well, evaporated off. There's no patience either, when there's crack smoking to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I think that's why a lot of times people do just use baking soda is that it's something that's mm -hmm. a household item that you can you don't have to wait um, for anything to evaporate off. And you can as soon as it rocks up, you can smoke it. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say that I know from... Uh, being around it <laughs> experience um that that is like actually kind of a way of wasting your cocaine is to just do the baking soda and water method mm. uh, because it doesn't it doesn't get it to the high enough ph to a, a free base like level enough that it doesn't fully uh, burn off when you add heat so a lot of it's still burning off and so i'll just say even for misconception wise there's people that think that they're they've taken these things called like chewy dabs and gotten really fucked up from it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, and I don't, I don't know how that's possible. I think a lot of it's still mental for people. But yeah, it's yeah. essentially like putting, like dabbing, putting a dab like of oil, and then putting cocaine on that. Yeah, so, and then heating it, heating a nail up to fucking four hundred and fifty something degrees. Dude, that's hitting gnarly. It. Yeah, and we just heard that like it's one hundred ninety two or something that the like melting point or boiling point of it of crack, crack. Yes. Um, so think about cocaine. It's is lower than that. Oh, yeah. Because it breaks right. down quicker. And so then, uh, and you wouldn't even use it. So it's just funny to me when people say like, oh, I, w I, I was able to dab my weed oil with cocaine and get really fucked up. Uh, yeah, Andre Nicotina famously is always talking about chewy blunts in his music. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like putting cocaine uh, well, in your blunt, yeah. And I think that some of that is like, you're still going to get some. So sure, people are probably doing it. But again, it's a huge waste. A uh, like, huge it's, waste. It's the weirdest thing to me that anyone would want to do that. Unless you had crack. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. okay, that makes sense because now you're not wasting it. But it's like, <laughs> sprinkle so crack, crack in there. This is one of the most expensive drugs. Why would you want to fucking waste it? So yeah, do you think totally. it's called chewy because it makes you grind your teeth? But it's weed? Or maybe you just get so high, like, like fucking yeah. chewy, <laughs> Chewbacca. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I spent, I spent a lot of time trying to look up and just find out like, because I've heard of so many, I've seen people smoke coke. Like I've, yeah. I've heard about it a ton. I've seen people do it, and I've always been in, under the impression that it's just so wasteful, pointless. Why even try it? It probably does next to nothing other than placebo. And there's not a whole lot of information on the internet whether or not you're actually getting anything. Yeah. It. So I just had a guy the other like I don't know week or something. I was at this house, and this dude ended up putting cocaine in his cigarette. And I was very surprised by it. I was like, hey, man, like, do you know what you're doing? And he's like, fuck yeah, this is dope. And then he hits it. And he goes, he goes, 
oh yeah, like that hit. And oh I was my like, god! Like he hit it like it was crack. And I was Bro, like, you're, wow. you're you're taking a stimulant, and that is going far. That you're like you're furthering the placebo. You're also yeah. taking a stimulant, so you're getting that stimulant effect and rush from the tobacco, and thinking you're getting more, and it's filtered through a filter. <laughs> like, yeah, you probably oh, taste it, and you might even get mm-hmm. some of the numbness. So that might be so. So it's a lot of like mental stuff. I think that's probably getting people thinking that they're high. It's the same thing of like I, I see people when they take a bump still. To this day, once in a while, I'll see someone once in a great while that actually hits it and then goes, wow, like right after. Yeah. <laughs> like in the movies. Yeah. Which is just so wow. not the case yeah. with drugs. Like, okay, what? Maybe the smell of it made you just kind of excited. So you were like, oh, sheesh, wow. But like people are actually acting like they're getting an effect or they can tell the quality right after they just sniffed a line. Now, like, if you're smoking crack, crack. yes, <laughs> you're gonna be able to, just like Jonah Hill and fucking what's his face in uh, Wolf of Wall Street, and they sit in that oh. fucking, <laughs> <laughs> just start smoking it, and they're like, Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That's fucking hilarious. I think that I loved that scene because to me, it was one of the funniest things of him being like they're at work, and then they're like, oh wait, let's just go take a break really quick or something. Yeah, like and Jonah Hill's like, all right, yeah, let's just go smoke crack, and then he looks at me, he's like, really, like crack. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, dude, like it's totally normal. It's fine. <laughs> they're all, like, in their suits and shit. <laughs> dude, that's a great scene. Uh, I was, I was meaning to bring this up. Trip right there. <laughs> Speaking of funny video, uh, like funny videos of people, or you know, funny things that people fucking doing while smoking crack. Uh, who was it? You got was someone in the group chat recently <laughs> sent a video of that dude fucking on the stoop <laughs> masturbating and smoking crack. Some yeah. dude walks up to him and he's like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude?" And, like yeah. dick fully know. out. <laughs> I don't. What I thought was weird about that video was that that who just walks up to a dude masturbating and then films them and <laughs> keeps talking to them while they are dick in hand <laughs> trying to just mind their own business why are you coming up to a guy saying like yo bro what are you doing bro what are you doing? This well crazy, it's for man. clout people people are trying to get fucking clout chasers dude but it's just so wrong oh totally <laughs> like, yeah well dude it's fucking I'm, wrong to fucking masturbate in public and smoke crack dude what the fuck <laughs> you dude? bro what are you talking about <laughs> it's Mike only is wrong because society tells us it's fucking wrong <laughs> yeah this Ryan? is this is Portland Oregon okay <laughs> <laughs> that you can't good point. shame me for yeah. fucking masturbating and doing crack. <laughs> That's yeah. a good point, my bad. We need those Florida laws coming in. <laughs> Sorry, gonna... my bad. <laughs> Dude, I was surprised. There was a bunch of people that were like significantly upset about that girl pole dancing um, at the Cherry Blossom. Are you serious? Yeah, because they're like, oh, it's a Japanese like veterans memorial. Like You shouldn't be putting... And then other like women got on there and were like, I can't believe someone would bring sex work into the public area where there's kids. And it's like... It's she was in a full work. leotard. Yes. She was in a full fucking leotard. The <laughs> wow. same that they put their little kids in to go do gymnastics. Yes. So if they're sexualizing that, then they're fucking disgusting for putting their kids into those uniforms. Absolutely. So fuck yeah. them. Exactly. And also, the Japanese dudes who went and fought in that war probably saw way naughtier shit yeah. in Japan. And, <laughs> and, they probably, would pro- and they'd be stoked. They'd if, be yeah. stoked. If they're <laughs> looking down from like heaven or something like that, they're, they were like probably like, oh yeah, make it rain. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So... Going back to the freebase part of things, um, crack is considered a smokable form of street cocaine, right? Which the adulterants have not actually been removed. So I used to think that crack cocaine was the like cleanest version of cocaine. But this is because freebase cocaine can be. Um, and this is with using things like um, really strong base and you know ether, right? Uh, to clean it off and they get rid of adulterants. So you can make freebase cocaine that is uh, smokable and has it's incredibly pure but most crack cocaine is not going to be that it's just going to be a very basic version 
Um, I should say a very simple version <laughs> in its base form. Um, so I hope that's not confusing. What I'm trying to get at is that uh, if you're going to inject cocaine, I think most of the time it's also turned into a free base and it is cleaned up big time. Like people use things like acetone or ether to wash off all those nasty things that they don't want to be injecting. Um, crack cocaine, though, seems like it would also have the opportunity to be this way. However, most people are not going to clean it up um, to get it to that essentially just like unadulterated state. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of say that because I personally had been under the assumption that crack cocaine was almost like a safer version of cocaine because it was cleaned up. But that's just free base cocaine. I've watched so many videos, and this is just my mind, like that of people cooking cocaine, like especially in high school, you know, you get into rap music and fucking you're learning about Gucci Mane and all these people <laughs> talking about cooking in the kitchen and shit. And then I just started watching videos of people like making cocaine, like just in the depths of YouTube. And it's always such an, a nasty, like a, a disgusting environment. And they're putting like a lot of the times. Yeah. You say they put ether and shit in there. A lot of the times they'll put like Everclear in there. Um, and they'll be like, Oh, it's my secret recipe or whatever. You know, Oh my God. Uh, but it, uh, it'd probably be better. With Everclear mixed in, because it's probably cleaning something. <laughs> I don't know, because Everclear still has a little bit of water in it, and you mm. won't want any... A lot of the times, oh, you're trying okay. to keep water mm. out. Oh, gotcha. Um, at least when cleaning it. Yeah. I don't know about mm. with basifying it. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, but they would just put all this random shit in, or like other drugs. Like I think the Everclear thing. probably binds with some other stuff, too, and might clean that up. Yeah. But I don't know. Um Weirdly enough, the process of actually making cocaine or extracting it from the coca leaves is very intense. Um, not like some crazy making LSD, but there are multiple items or chemicals that are used in the process. I think the main one is kerosene. Um, right, yeah, but, I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, that's why I think what gives it its very uh, pungent smell. It's fuel-like <laughs> smell, because mm -hmm. kerosene is a fuel. Did they always used to use kerosene? Because wasn't there a one point... Uh, I've heard stories of people that. Of well, I've heard stories of people in like the seventies, like you know, back in the seventies, doing cocaine, and they're like, "Yeah, like you never had that like fucking like gas smell and taste and stuff to it. Like there was, it was always like much much cleaner uh, back in the seventies before people started uh, adding all sorts of shit into it in the eighties. I don't know. Um, we should look into it. I tried to look into it, and I have a bunch of uh, rehab stuff coming up. So, huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll talk about it in the future on a ne on the next crack episode or cocaine episode. The evolution of cocaine, yeah. Yeah, yeah we should, we should, yeah. Um, I think kerosene is mostly used because of how cheap it is and easy to get down there. That makes um, sense. Something like diesel would be incredibly expensive for them to use in a process like that. True. Um, Although diesel and, for a while was cheaper than gas. <laughs> really? Well, during the fucking when the gas prices were raised super high, yeah, recently, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, like last year. Yeah, yeah. I, was I like, said what? at one. I said at one point. I didn't say <laughs> fucking what when when that point was. It was at one point. You weren't wrong. Yeah, that's true. Thanks, dude. Okay. All right. Well, so 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 so. I don't want to go into uh, too much about the pharmacology of crack cocaine because it is just cocaine. Um, and I really would like to have some people check out our episode on cocaine because it's really uh, descriptive, especially in the science section, about specifically how cocaine works and how it's getting people high. I will, though, refresh people uh, if they've forgotten. And then if anyone's listening to this one um, first before the cocaine episode, which in my opinion is a little weird, um, and I don't recommend it, but if you are, then uh, 
it exerts its kind of pleasurable effects um, through a similar system to other stimulant drugs. And this is uh, blocking the reuptake of dopamine and noradrenaline um, or norepinephrine. Uh, so when I say reuptake, I'm talking about how when these neurotransmitters are coming from one neuron to hang out in the area or the junction between uh, another neuron that is you know, essentially talking with that neuron they're communicating, there's this little area in between called the synapse. Um, and it, neurotransmitters, when they come from one neuron and go out into this area, they can attach to receptors onto another neuron. Um, and this is still all considered within the synapse or the synaptic cleft, right? Um, and so essentially when you have um, neurotransmitters hanging out in there and doing, you know, uh, sort of stimulation, right? Like uh, activating um, different receptors and, and causing processes downstream in the next neuron to happen, um, you get all kinds of effects, right? Um, a lot of the times neurotransmitters, the, the word is a really good word uh, to help you understand what they do, right? Neurotransmission. Um, essentially, it's allowing information to be um, transmitted from one neuron to another neuron. And you have neurons that are specialized in the brain for different things. Um, and so um, a lot of dopaminergic neurons are essentially responsible for dopamine neurotransmission. And dopamine um, is a neurotransmitter that is responsible for a lot. But dopamine and noradrenaline hand in hand together actually are really important for things like um, reward or, f or feeling like um, you've gotten kind of a, a pleasurable effect from something. Um, and so anyway, the reason I'm saying all this is that uh, when describing the reuptake, your natural process in the brain, um, and not just the brain, but the body as well, is that these neurons, nerve cells, when they are releasing neurotransmitters to then attach to receptors on other neurons, they need them back. They don't want them to just hang out there and they don't just go away. They don't just die off. And so um, it's kind of a process of recycling. So the neuron that let those neurotransmitters go off and then tell another neuron what to do um, now need to come back. And uh, anyway, there's transporters that have the, their job is to come in and take those things back. Um, and mo most people that don't know this type of pharmacology at least know most, most of the time about those drugs called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, right? And what their job is to do is essentially block the reuptake, um, kind of similar to what cocaine's doing, of serotonin specifically, selectively. And it's hoping that by doing this, you're making more serotonin, like higher levels of it, build up in that synaptic cleft to then stimulate the other neurons. And therefore, hopefully, you'll feel better, right? You'll have uh, less depressive feelings. So, cocaine, right, because, wait, just so I understand that ahead. real quick, uh, that's yeah. because uh, essentially it's not taking any of that back out, right? It's just letting it hang in there. And Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah, so that's the big part of what cocaine um you know back in the day sigmund freud and even other people thought that it was something they could use for melancholy right uh, so you could get prescribed cocaine for feeling better um kind of like an antidepressant effect Hell yeah. now i think all of us could agree <laughs> that that's not the case it's a temporary solution it is actually and especially if really True. like if you were to say like microdosed cocaine um at like not a completely un um sub sub-perceptual dose, but a just very small dose of cocaine taken uh, consistently, like not like you're not just sitting there blowing through lines all night kind of thing, trying to party on it. Thinking of it as a medicine, it does make sense that it could be 
beneficial for improving mood um, and maybe even improving cognition in certain situations, right? But we know of it as being a recreational drug that you do blow through and you create all this heavy euphoria in a short period of time and then you deal with significant dysphoria yeah. um, afterward. And for some people, it's more severe than for others, right? And I think some of that might come down to like straight up the amount of dopamine and norepinephrine that you produce normally as a human. Uh, it, if you're someone who doesn't really feel like you need to do cocaine, like uh, when you're on it, you don't have this like huge compulsion to redose. You're likely someone who either, my, my assumption has enough dopamine in the brain that it doesn't really, getting more of it doesn't really help you out at all. Or it could be the other way around. I don't know. Because I have met people who can do cocaine um, or crack, right? And put it down while there's still some left. Like they can stop doing it at night and Bam. go to bed and just say, yeah, there's a gram sitting there in my in my freezer or my, my safe or whatever, and I'm not going to do it. Um, but then there's other people who are not able to do that. Like they could have work the next day and they will continue to stay up till 10 a.m., 11 a.m. doing the cocaine until it's gone. I think an important uh, distinction here too is that has nothing to do with addiction too. No. So that's what's crazy is the person who, uh, for like me, for instance, I have a binging issue with anything. Like if I have right. a bag of potato chips, if I have a six pack of beer, no matter what, I'm going to fucking finish that thing. Like, and yeah. I cannot physically get myself to stop. So if there is, you know, in your example, a gram left, that it's, that I wouldn't be able to get myself to stop doing it. But I could go a year without ever doing anything. Right. And then just like on a whim, do something, but then not be able to stop, but then be able to just be like, I'm not doing that again. So, so these two things, binging and addiction, don't go hand in hand. They're, they're different, but they're, it, it's very weird. Binging is very weird. It's like momentary, the most addicted person in like on the planet. Like, totally. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's really like hard to say about addiction in general is that it's not just this one thing that you could say like, oh, that's what addiction is. Right. And, even just compulsive behavior, these types of drugs, the region of the brain that, um, you know, I've talked about, or regions of the brain that I've talked about in other episodes, but in this one um, is just that kind of rewarding pathway. It deals with a lot of dopaminergic neurons and deals with a lot of um, this whole like rewarding behavior, right? Uh, and, and the more you do something that's rewarding, the more likely you're going to continue to do that thing, right? That's just kind of natural and makes sense. When we give these types of drugs, though, to animals, it's really weird because they don't have, as far as we know, they don't deal with uh, the same level of understanding of who they are and what they are that we do. Um, so for them to be addicted to something, they probably don't have as a big of a reason to be addicted to it as we might. We have all these other reasons, right? Like we have genetic stuff playing into it, which they do too, but we have stuff with uh, with stress and anxiety and your family and your friends and all these other things that um, can affect why we get addicted to something. When you do studies with animals like mice with cocaine, it's really, it's fascinating kind of because they will actually just stop taking care of themselves completely to continue to inject themselves or to drink the water with it, or whatever it is that they're doing, like they will, uh, and it's the same thing with their their pups. So when they have given birth, um, they're very. It's a natural instinct for them, for the mother to, um, you know, uh, allow the pups to come on and uh, get their milk. Right? I don't know exactly what what is that considered like. Um, 
she's weaning them. Yeah. Right. Um, if cocaine is involved or heroin, even, uh, she will stop weaning and just do the drug. And uh, that's something that you don't really see with humans as much. You do see it with certain people, but it's really, really, really rare that a human will completely stop eating or stop taking care of themselves completely to yeah, do these yeah. drugs. Good point. Um, and I think that there's just an added bit of that of knowing that we are human, knowing that we have the ability to die, knowing that we have you know all these things. Which, by the way, there's some research that just came out recently to show that fish likely have a very good understanding of who they are or what they are, and that they're different than other things because they did this thing where they painted on a fish's fin, uh, like a color, and it would go up to the, this mirror and wipe the color off hmm. because Whoa. it knew that that wasn't a part of it. Like it knew that that color wasn't, you know, its color. So it was hmm. like, hey, get, get that off. It, it did it multiple times. <laughs> Dude, so that's crazy. Wow. Super fucking crazy. It's nuts to think that they likely have been seeing themselves in mirror-type situations with the water, um, for a long time, and they've been able to understand that they're different than something like a turtle. I, I wonder wow. if that has something to do biologically with just uh, aquatic animals having such an ability to cloak themselves because that's your yeah. only defense in an open area. So maybe right. not necessarily having the ability to differentiate yourself, but more a uh, biological need for you know per- visual protection to be able to cloak yourself. So if you're seeing this color that isn't going to blend you in with your environment you're immediately going to try to take it off i want that's true so there could yeah. be some of that going on yeah true, like, like a fucking octopus that can make itself look like a rock i know shit dude. like that well or yeah, chameleons, chameleons. Fucking, yeah. oh dude nice we were on the same page Hell yeah. <laughs> uh dude one thing i, I did want to mention is uh you were saying like like rats don't really like know they're like rats like whereas humans like do know that we're humans i've always I heard saying this- mice Sorry, mice. My bad. Not rats. Uh, yeah, I've, rats are really smart. Yeah. Okay. So mice. So I've I've heard this quite often. Uh, it's uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a really important question. It's are we humans or are we dancers? I'm a dancer. I don't know. Life is a highway. <laughs> 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 all right, I just I had to get that out. I'm sorry. I apologize okay. to all of our listeners, and I, I will uh, retire my position in this podcast. <laughs> I need to stop smoking crack, dude. It's hurting my lungs. <laughs> I hit your crack pipe. I no, hit one so of those. Fucking, it's so gross. Uh, okay. I need to get that, that's good. So, um, what kind of crack do you think that is? If it's so gross, do you think it was uh, not made out of uh, not it's made rebaseable? With- that's all I know. Sorry. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so. Uh, talking about bioavailability of smoking cocaine um is about 57 percent. it's actually very low um compared to something like sniffing or encephalation right so up the nose mm. is 80 percent um however this is not to say that it's less intense right um the smoking is kind of highly variable right so there's people that are more skilled in smoking their crack pipe smoking the devil's dick dude. yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, that reminds me of that video of the girl that's like, she's like giving her boyfriend head that she like gets up from it. She like, she looks up and she goes like, her whole mouth is just fucking slobbered. And she's like, if you don't look like this when you're sucking your man's dick, then like, whoa, you're, you're doing it wrong. What video are you dude, talking dude, about? Why are you assuming? Oh, this I was, was like, TikTok. Oh, she like literally I thought it was a him. porno oh. video. No, 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 okay. no. It's just this girl like getting on TikTok being like, if you don't look like this after, then you're doing it wrong. And it just made me think like crackheads being like, if you 
like the guy from Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Tyrone Bigum. Yeah. <laughs> then you're doing it wrong. Okay. So anyway. <laughs> you don't look like Tyrone Bigum's while well, you're smoking crack and you, know you might not be a crackhead. <laughs> you know you know what I find impressive is that this episode could have been filled with the most cultural references of any episode. And, but we have only talked about like the history and the CIA. Like, uh, I mean, we made references, but there is so many fucking cultural, th- there's so much ki- cultural significance when it comes to crack. Right. Well, yeah. And actually, you just reminded me of saying something that I forgot to because, uh, I don't know, just in the beginning, um, was a lot of people think, like, I see people say, I saw a guy smoking crack or I saw oh, him yeah. hitting a crack pipe when they just have seen a meth pipe. I'm sorry, right. but in Oregon, we don't have crackheads. No. And you see, that's the other part. People call well, people crackheads. but they're, they're, they're few and far between Very in comparison to... Dude, yes. we went to this corner store up here by my house, and literally... My, my girlfriend did it. Can you bleep that? Yeah. Uh, my, <laughs> girlf- you said it. <laughs> my, my girlfriend did that. Uh, she saw all these pipes, all these bongs. Everything had a fucking tweeter at the end of it. Yeah. That's a meth attachment. Yeah. She was like, oh, can you even smoke weed out of these? And I was like, no. Wait, you're going to drop the weed into the hole and then like, how are you going to light it? It's the tiniest right. hole. In the- anyway, I was like, that's not crack. That's for meth. That's You can't smoke crack out of that either. <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, you see it all the time. Like, it's even in starter pack memes, people mm-hmm. will be like, oh, crackhead, starter pack, and then there's a meth bulb pipe. Right. So if anyone, just to help people understand so this can stop being thrown around so much after you've listened to this episode, when you are talking about the meth pipe, it's that bulb-shaped pipe. Look if you're talking about a crack pipe, you're talking about like a little tube, a glass tube that someone has broken, potentially, and there's a little hole at the end, and they've put like a steel wool pad in there, to then let the crack kind of melt onto and vaporize. Crack not- pipes look closer to cigarettes than they yes. do in actual pipes. Exactly. You look up crack pipe on the internet, the first couple pictures are meth pipes. Meth pipes. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's so- inter- also like because meth, you don't actually even like light directly. Like you want to light no. underneath. But yes. whereas like crack, like you kind of do, but kind of don't at the same time. Well, yeah, it's made to be smoked directly. That's part of yeah. why it's called True, crack. Yeah. No, we didn't even talk about that part. Oh, guys. right. I was thinking about that while I was saying my stuff. I was like, I didn't actually put down why it's called crack. Yeah. Wait, why so is it's it called, called crack? crack? Because it's, it crackles. Oh, it's yeah. Very, and that, that they even say, like, that's the thing. The first fucking hit, dude, is like always going to be the best. And you'll know by the sound of it. Also, um, I meant to mention that's also why it's called Uzi. The pipes. Because it's crackling and you're it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, and it's sad because that's even adding more of an addictive component to it. Because now, so yeah. they say that with like with, with people who have quit something like um, cigarettes, right? Is that uh, they will be able to just see a cigarette or hear it and whatever it is, maybe 20 years, 30 years down the road, they haven't even used it, but just seeing it. Um, will make them want it or, you know, even go out and get it potentially after 30 years of not doing it, right? And so uh, it's like that with cocaine really heavily where it's a highly addictive drug to the brain, right? The brain is just thinking reward, reward, reward. So then it wants more of it and doesn't consider that it's bad for you. It doesn't really care, right? It's like, oh, your heart's racing? Oh, fuck it, whatever, give me one. (laughs) Um, But there's the added part of if you're changing your method of doing it, and this is why I've talked about that with needles um, in other episodes, is that like the method of how you do a drug that's already highly addictive makes it more addictive. 
And um, not just because of the fact that with crack, you're getting a quicker like onset and you know the effects are more pronounced in a short period of time. It's not just that. It's the added part of now you are loading a pipe that you have to make. You make that pipe and then you loaded it up and then you've maybe cleaned that pipe or whatever. You're also having crackling now. It's the same thing with a cigarette. Some people just love the sound of when the cigarette, right. so when they watch yeah. a movie and the goddamn microphone's right up next to the cigarette. that They do that on purpose, I think, actually, mm-hmm. in movies. Yeah. is To make you just hear the well, sound. Because as someone who smokes cigarettes, you could probably almost taste it. With yes. hear, just hearing it. Also yeah. remember that uh, a lot of that is sound design, too. Uh, yeah. And it's not yeah. actually... Like a lot but of it, but it's in a way effects. to immerse you in right. they we know that that your brain has that reaction when even you hear that cigarette like the 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 viewer can almost taste it they can almost yeah, get yeah. into the the role you know what I mean yeah. um the same way with packing cigarettes yeah like right. I'll always hear a dip can in my head well, I dude, don't even like dip anymore I'll always like that sound of packing a dip can weirdly enough the sound True. of uh cracking a can of whatever yeah to me still makes me wish I like I kind of want beer. Yeah, dude, like when I dude, hear the yeah. crack or someone has a soda, I'm like, oh, the beer sounds nice. I just the last sunny day we had. It was 60 degrees. It was fucking <laughs> sunny. It was nice out. I it's so funny, dude. I was like, it's so fucking hot out. It's 60 degrees. I know. <laughs> dude, meanwhile, um, it's now like 70 down here and I'm like, god, it's so fucking cold out, dude. <laughs> I was I was happy cuz I saw people out there. It was maybe one o'clock. People outside the bar by my house just sitting there drinking a beer and I was like, that looks terrible. I've never had that reaction in my life. I've always been that person one o'clock in the afternoon drinking the beers and for a while it was nice and now it's like it got to a point where it just sucked and it ruined the whole day. So now I could be like, oh, that looks shitty. And it's funny you say that because I noticed that when I went out with my mom because we were at that the German bar thing. And yeah. She got a fucking stout and I was just kind of looking at her and looking at everyone and I was like, you're going to be tired for the rest of the day. Yeah, like you ruined your early. whole day. Yeah, yeah, you, ru- you ruined your entire out. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and for me, it was like definitely weird because I was still, it was my first like switching to day shift yeah. schedule in a long time. And so like being halfway asleep, I was kind of like looking at people drinking in the middle of the day and I was just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's the kind of bioavailability um thing that I wanted to talk about. But again, also just that added part of um, smoking it makes it more addictive because a lot of the time smoking is just addictive in general. And you could say that for methamphetamine um, for a lot of people is that they, people will say like their favorite route was smoking it, even though it didn't really get them higher. Um, it, it was just the process of hitting the pipe and all those things associated with it. Well, you'll notice in um, X, even cigarette smokers, they'll chew their nails, they'll eat potato chips. There's yeah. like so much... Uh, like movement correlation with addiction. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of why I think people will like um, use something for their fingers. Yeah. Or fidget spinners are probably good for getting off cigarettes and shit. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of exes, uh, fucking uh, shout out fucking DMX for smoking crack. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Dude. R.I.P. to DMX, dude. I wonder yeah. if Excision's ever smoked crack. I think if you have an X in your name, you've probably smoked crack. Like Exhibit. Yeah. Nah. Shout out exes. Sense. Shout out my crackhead ex girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That, that was going. <laughs> no, I, I get. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you thought that was going. Speaking uh, of exes, my bad. Uh, no, I was thinking the the, the letter X. Yeah. Uh, like X, uh, go and give it to you. <laughs> my bad. All it's right. okay. I, you're you're forgiven. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Sorry. 
Um, anyway, so the the um, wanted to just mention the different route um, absorption time. So like, I'm pretty much just comparing this to sniffing it, right? Um, when you smoke it, it's like a 1.1 minute. <laughs> that's an average number, so that's why you get the decimal. 1.1. Um, is that when you? <laughs> is that how how quickly you feel it? Um, absorption rate. So like getting fully into your blood. Okay, I see. Okay, it takes yeah, sure. a minute. Okay. for it to go. So you're gonna feel it likely in less than that, but probably and, with um, smoking. 10 seconds. Dude, gone in 60 seconds. Dude. Well, yeah. No, so most of the time with smoking anything, you're gonna, as soon as you exhale, yeah. you'll have slight effects. With weed, it's a little bit longer because THC and all these other compounds are lipids. They're fats. Well, even just look up the rate that your blood travels throughout your body, and if it's going into your bloodstream directly from your lungs, it immediately gets put through your entire yeah. body. Yeah. So this is just full absorption, right? Yeah. Takes a minute. Um, with nasal or, you know, sniffing, right? It's 11.7 minutes. Um, so you can see how that order of magnitude difference is going to be a huge change in uh, how addictive the drug ends up being or just how pleasurable it is. And that's part of why shooting a drug or injecting a drug is so addictive, right? Is because you're bypassing any, like, coming up effect. Uh, you're just going straight into the peak of hmm. the experience. Um so yeah, these these kind of absorption times affected the you know overall time of the peak concentration in the blood, um, with smoked cocaine occurring at six minutes, while um, with sniffing it's around forty five minutes to make reach that max, maximum concentration. So, um, well, part of why I think with sniffing you can kind of maintain a high throughout night throughout the night. Of, mm. you, know, you just can get to a point where you're not really even if you take more, you're not getting incredibly higher. And you're also, even if you stop doing it for an hour and a half, you're still high. Is that, um, is that why you think cocaine's more of a party drug versus crack is not really a party drug? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But really even then, it. before all the societal and cultural things that have come up with crack, I think that it's it could have been a very party drug. Um, people just mm. sitting around smoking it like they're smoking weed. That's you know? a good Which point. It's probably more of a party drug than cocaine if it were societally societally yeah. acceptable to just sit there smoking. Exactly. Yeah. However, true. taking lines is a very like there's a there's a whole huge thing of it culture wise on yeah. it, right? right? Like like a lot of girls love to have their own little mini uh, you know, um line kit thing, right? Like a little mirror thing with tiny little spoons or tiny little straws right. in there yeah like they have true. you know it's like an if, if, it's, if it's a girl that does cocaine she's likely not just having a small plastic baggie um with it like she has some way of doing it right um, and true. because it's like it makes her feel hot to and i'm saying this in a, with the female part that's not just the only case right there's right. guys that do this too and a lot of the times you see it not just with the guys but with girls too in my community of people Fucking wearing spoons on a necklace. Oh, <laughs> you're yeah. literally showing people that you do drugs nasally, which is either going to be cocaine or ketamine in this community. Right. So you're just proving to people that you're a piece of shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dead. Straight to jail. <laughs> Straight to jail. Um. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I had a thought, but I don't. I don't remember what it was. So. <laughs> Straight to jail. I have a yeah. thought. Straight to jail. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know oh. if I think of it. Um, what. One of the things I'll actually say about like females and and party drugs like this or uh, powders, right? Nose drugs uh, that I've noticed that's really interesting is that they will actually use the and other guys use it too. This thing of saying like, uh, "Oh, uh, you know, f girls get the first bump." 
kind of thing. I've, like, I, I always, like, when, when I it's being shared weed. in a place, it's always like it, when she comes up and a girl also, that's another thing I've noticed in this scene that I'm in, females have the ability to ask any guy for a bump. It doesn't matter. The dude's going to give it to her. There's no guy mm. saying like, nah, I'm good. If a girl comes up and pretty much puts that both index fingers together and is like, can I, at, can at what point are you bringing your coke out just to try to meet people? Um, oh, I think that's a big part. I saw that on Reddit. Someone asked one time, why is one of the most expensive drugs one of the most shared drugs? Like cocaine is hard to get. True. It's expensive. Why is it the one drug that people are always giving it out? Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where it's like you kind of want people to like Recognize think you're cool. You. Yeah. yeah. Think you're cool, recognize you. It's also a great way to legitimately make good friends mm-hmm. because it is a conversation starter right. and then a very intense conversation like keeper. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> True. It, it's, it makes sense. <laughs> like I, I always agreed on like the, I, I've had friends that have said like, I love using it when going out for the bars or whatever because it is this like kind of added, now I can talk to girls or I can just talk to the people that I, I haven't, I didn't want to talk to initially or even I just had the motivation to, confidence, right? So it has all these little added things to it to make it where, you know, it makes sense of why people use it. It's used for melancholy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my thought uh, was uh, how socially acceptable of like cocaine versus crack is like, like you can't really like do crack off of like, like, you know how people do like cocaine bumps off of like nipples or like off of like your fucking dick. They like, can't really do crack like that in like a sexual manner. So. Yeah, that's probably a hundred percent of the reason why it's not socially acceptable. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not you can't sexualize crack as well as you can cocaine. I mean, I'll just say this: point. the responses that I've had from people when someone who they didn't think would ever have done crack discloses that they've tried crack, the response of someone who does cocaine. <laughs> It's so funny. is insane. Yeah. Like it's they so get, they freak out. They're yeah. like, "Oh my god, you tried crack." And like Holy fuck, you that, did too. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the club, fucking bro. I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's so a good like, point. It's just been weird for me that like even a drug user who doesn't most of the time judge other drug users, at least in their community, um will sit there and judge someone that they know well um, because they heard them say the words crack. That like I did crack, right? That if you if someone in the 21st century tells their friend like I did crack, their friend will freak <laughs> out on them. But yeah. it's like it's funny because this other friend is someone who is doing drugs consistently maybe. Yeah. You know, right. or like is a part of a drug community. Um, so it's just sad because that really all again comes back down to like what our society and our culture is created. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. It's bummer. Um, but I'm going to get into a little bit of why it's different than just uh, sniffing it, right? Um, cool. So the, the, because of its absorption rate and whatnot and, and the way it eliminates throughout the body, um, the actual like clearance time is also different. And so um, with sniffing studies, the, the half-life is like 78 minutes or so. But with smoking, it's around 69 <laughs> minutes. Hell yeah, um, dude. So they're comparable, right? But they're, not, <laughs> they're not exactly the same. Um, and I think that's just good to to really consider. And also looking at um, the metabolites of cocaine are things like this drug ben, uh, compound, uh, benzyl and echognine. Echognine? I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't have it actually written up right here, so I'm going off memory. But the other metabolites, in addition to this one, are inactive. But that is how they take when you're doing like a P drug test. 
they're looking at the inactive metabolites in the pee, mm. uh, not cocaine. So they're actually not testing you for cocaine. And with smoking, you still end up producing some of those metabolites. Not as much, though. And so the mm. hard part about them, if you're just a crack user, is taking drug tests, it makes it a little bit more difficult for them. Mm. So you're saying like, if you're, if you're going to get drug tested for a job and you like to do cocaine, maybe switch to crack? Maybe. I wouldn't, com- I wouldn't recommend that. I'm joking. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely it's, joking. It's quite the recommend. It's definitely in your body for a shorter period of time and it's not producing as much of the metabolites, which are the things that they're testing for. So it's not a bad thought. <laughs> Hell yeah. um, Thanks, dude. I was kind of mentioning it earlier with just frequent crack use, but uh, I'm going to go into kind of just some of the effects that we've seen, um, or at least the medical community has seen. Um with frequent crack use. And so associated, uh, uh, some of the effects associated with that would be things like, um, you know, cardiorespiratory symptoms, one to 12, 12 hours after smoking the cocaine. Um, these include things like cough producing black sputum, which Ryan and I know a whole lot about. Dude, fuck um, that shit, dude. <laughs> Holy yeah. fuck. No, it's gross. It tastes bad. It makes you feel like your your lungs are like filling up with tar yeah. um, and all these things. And so this also can be... Uh, you know, associated with chest pain. So yeah. if someone's got all this tar and stuff like that going on and, and whatnot, their lungs are essentially filling up. Um, they're going to likely feel some chest pain. Um, but this could also be, this chest pain could be due to some of the cardiovascular effects that it, it has because yeah. it is still a central nervous system stimulant. So it's causing your heart to increase in rate um, as well as uh, your your blood pressure, right, to increase. And so... yeah. There was a, uh, a famous basketball player in a uh, college basketball player. I can't remember his name. It was Ben Lear or something like that. Uh, I don't remember his name. Something like that. Uh, but he uh, had a heart attack uh, shortly after smoking uh, crack and uh, died. Yeah. And so that's actually one of the things I've read was pretty popular for people with smoking crack is that you can, there's been a few cases of people dying after the first time. After the it. first time? Wow. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, I guess like if you're say, if yeah. you're susceptible to a heart attack, it can give you a heart attack very easily. Wow. Um, yeah, and so um, anyway, the the chest pain gets worse with deep breathing, um, and some people might know that with just having chest pain, um, that when they take a deep breath, they feel it even worse. Um, the cardiac pal- palpitations were present in like half of the people that they looked at with this, which is kind of gnarly. Fuck. So, it's more. It's pretty normal. I think most. If anyone's done cocaine. They know the effect of sitting there at the end of the night um, and kind of why they're watching their shirt bumping up and down because their heart is or just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the feeling of it, essentially. It's, it's weird how comfortable you get with the chest pain. And you're just like, Dude, oh. I yeah. can't stand it. That's why partly, <laughs> I, partly why I don't like cocaine is like fucking I hate having my heart beat that fucking crazy. But also I drink a fuck ton of caffeine, which is the same thing. So it doesn't really make sense. But Yeah, weirdly enough, that goes away with tolerance. With crack or co- uh, coffee? Your heart gets Both. stronger. Really? <laughs> well, I mean, I know a lot of people... No, it does not. Well. <laughs> I know a lot of people that um, are able to do cocaine and then go to sleep afterward. But yeah, or I guess eat. it's kind of similar with like coffee and stuff. People drink coffee right before yeah. bed. I used to be, a, no, I used to totally. be one of those people. Yeah. I so you're saying I just need to start doing cocaine all the time. And then I'll eventually... Figure, my heart will figure it out. It'll just even out. Well, yeah, you sh- you could be like this thirty third, thirty three year old woman who, um, uh, gosh, what was it? What was it? I got bronchitis. 
Ain't get time. nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yeah. So um, not not her, but another wait, woman. What? what? How did how, how did those things just, correlate? Just wait. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so a three to three year old woman developed acute bilateral pulmonary infiltration after the intense use of rock cocaine. So crack. Um, she subsequently had progressive deterioration of the pulmonary function uh, of her pulmonary function to the point of being ventilator dependent. Um, Jesus. So, Ryan, don't use lots of crack. All right. Um, duly noted, dude. I was just ordering it online right now. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, don't do that, guys. And gals. So when she had a uh, an open lung biopsy, um, it showed that she had a chronic interstitial pneumonia um, that was extensive um, and accumulated a free silica with histiocytes, which are little cells that are uh, a part of the lung. Um, and anyway, this was associated with mild pulmonary fibrosis. Um, so uh, with pneumonia, I think some people know that you can actually die from it, right? Um, and fluid filling up the lungs. Um, and it can lead to uh, a lot of the times just other sicknesses because of you being in a state where you're um, not able to fight off other crap. Mm. Anyway, um, this pattern of this interstitial pneumonia that she had has not been previously reported in other crack users. So it's not to say that everyone's going to end up with this. However, it is to say that it has a high, it has a very significant effect on your lungs. And so that's kind of why I brought it up in the beginning when talking about how it could be considered more dangerous than cocaine is that for one, you're smoking this stuff when just putting it onto your, your nose you know, the membranes within your nose, right? That's, it doesn't have to combust to get to that point. It's just the drug, right? And maybe you're putting some adulterants up there too. But with smoking crack, you're making other chemicals combust, which are likely producing even more chemicals. And we know that with tobacco, right? And other things like even weed, that produces carbon monoxide, which is carcinogenic um, when you are smoking it. It's the same thing with crack. It's producing carbon monoxide. However, it's likely producing other things that um, for most people is going to be very toxic. Um, so actually, th th this gets much worse than you think. So, <laughs> so a lot of the times they use Brillo pads as the filter in the crack pipe. Yeah. Brillo pad is made out of steel wool. Steel wool is one of the only metals that you can catch on fire. And right. as you catch it on fire, it actually, it's super weird. Most things, as everybody knows, you catch it on fire, it loses mass. You catch steel wool on fire, it gains mass. Because it oxidizes so fast in the air, it gets this, um, it, it rusts essentially in real time. And so you're inhaling all that shit. Hell yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> That's yeah, essentially what I'm trying to say. Probably yeah, you so high as fuck, dude. Well, yeah, and, and actually, I think that might be might be why with some people they don't experience the same level of lung toxicity and damage is that the, the varied ways of using crack because not everyone's mm -hmm. going to use the Brillo pad. Maybe some people have a better way of doing it, and I think that's what that thing was saying earlier that I I was mentioning was just that based on how people use crack, it is highly variable the sort of toxic effects that they end up noticing. But I think the most common ones are going to be the things like your heart, right, and whatnot um because with cocaine uh extensive use of it is for most people going to damage their heart in some way or another um it maybe not kill you right but it can damage it to the point that now you're gonna you might require medication later on in life like high blood pressure medication right or something mm, like that or you might yeah. need to be more careful with things like salt and alcohol in your diet 
uh, because you were a cocaine user. Um, Dude, that, fuck. It's totally possible. That's but crazy. um, I'll, I'll say some neurological stuff then now <laughs> to wrap it up because just the, the, the cardiac stuff I think is pretty well known. Um, most people when thinking of cocaine or just thinking of a stimulant drug can understand that it's not going to be very good for the heart. And then with crack being not very good for the lungs. Um, however, the, this guy, these two dudes, uh, Bateman and Higarty, Hegarty, I don't Higarty? I don't know, whatever. Uh, that's, a, that's a weird last name. That is a fucking weird last name, dude. That's spelled, <laughs> it's spelled so fucking difficultly. Right? Fucking whoever decided Higarty. that was a good idea to spell it that way sucks. Uh, Anyway, these guys described four cases uh, involving transient neurological symptoms such as drowsiness, unsteady gait, so like the way they walked, um, seizures, and more in children exposed to passive crack inhalation by parents or other persons. So really sad. So that's what you're talking about at the beginning. It's very secondhand. Yes, like to the point of being incredibly dangerous for these kids because things like seizures and unsteady gait is... Um, and even drowsiness, but mo- most of that is like kind of looking at okay, there's brain damage going on, here. right? And these these are developing brains, so they're highly susceptible to damage. And so, um, yeah, really fucked up. If you're smoking crack around your kids, please stop. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, this this reminded me of something I I read and uh, was listening to some interviews about, and maybe you might know the answer to this, but um, when a mother is pregnant and she smokes crack, and there's the whole thing of the crack baby theory. How accurate is that? Because there are a lot of theories that say that, like, uh, it doesn't actually get into the baby as much as they think it is. And because the reason I bring this up is because there's so many people that got charged with, um, dis- I think it was distributing crack to or dis- distributing drugs to a minor via the umbilical cord uh, when <laughs> women are pregnant, and they were getting like thrown in prison for it. Um, Good. Which is like, yeah. yeah, you shouldn't smoke crack if you're pregnant and stuff. But I'm just curious, like, how accurate that is. Do you know? Yeah. Well, so I'll just say what this one LeBlanc and colleagues described um, in looking at 38 infants of mothers oh. who used crack during pregnancy. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about the actual proof, whether or not a certain amounts going through the umbilical cord. But here we go. Um, they noticed that in all of these um, 38 infants... Um, Essentially, tremulousness. So, I think being uh, like having more, uh, being more tremble, right? Or, you know, essentially being like kind of rigid um, and uh, having it with also muscular rigidity. So, um, I don't think that they were essentially building up muscle as good as, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Like a normal. I don't want to say a normal. I guess, yeah, yeah, the normal. A healthy infant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so, and this was, um, yeah, like I said, mothers who used it during pregnancy, um, they also denied using other forms of cocaine or narcotic drugs. However, four of these mothers um, were also users of marijuana, cannabis, um, five drank alcohol regularly, and four were smokers. Um, and so urinalyses were done for 20 of these infants, and cocaine was present in the urine of 10 of the symptomatic and then nine of the asymptomatic infants. Um, so it appears kind of that cocaine does not always produce neurological or behavioral abnormalities, but it has the option or has the ability to. Mm-hmm. And um, my assumption is that, yeah, like it's still going to affect the baby in one way or another. It's kind of what um, I thought. One of the things with LSD, right, is that it's thought that an, a mother can take LSD during pregnancy and likely it won't have much of an effect on the baby because it's such a light compound. Um, like she's, she yeah. took 100 micrograms. 
I see. Um, yeah, yeah. So how is a hundred micrograms once it's been used up by most of the body gonna in the brain gonna even have a effect on the child's brain at all? Uh, but something like crack that's used con- constantly over time, like you're you're just consistently using it. My assumption is that yes, at one point it gets to a high enough concentration in the blood or whatever it is, you know what I mean, like where wherever it's at, that it's getting into the you know it's passing through the placenta and whatnot. Hmm. Um, that so, makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. My thoughts are that you here's the here's one of the big things. The baby is taking so much from the mother, right. not just food and nutrients, right? It's getting tons of stuff from that mother. And so the the state of mind that the mother is in has a huge effect on the baby, whether it's just the baby's mental state as they develop, but also their physical state. And so you if you have a mom who's incredibly stressed and is involved in the trapping lifestyle, of like drugs being sold, people getting shot, uh, you know, prostitution, all these different things, right? Uh, when she gives birth to this baby, this baby is likely going to deal with some form of, you know, being highly susceptible to stress and anxiety or addiction, or even it could just be all physical. Like all of that stuff that she, the mother experienced while gestating a child for nine months, um, then, you know, passed on and it ended up being physical. Like the kid ends up dealing with like low, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, growth rate, right? Sure. Um, but yeah, anyway, Raven, what were you going to say? I was just thinking like a lot of stress and stuff and anxiety and <clears throat> different hormones that you produce and stuff like that while you're stressed and anxious. Yeah, you're sharing the same blood with your baby. Like everything that's in blood. Yeah. No, yeah, everything. Like yeah. you are creating something. That, so that baby is part of you, an extension of 100%. you for those nine months. Yeah. You're that baby. You're a baby. <laughs> well, okay, that's honestly no, one of the weirdest but, things to me about a mother that is like pregnant. Yeah. Is that she's walking around with a human inside of her. It's two I people. Know, yeah. yes, it's, <laughs> it's two is one. It's like Siamese yeah. twins all of a sudden. Siamese <laughs> yeah. with a baby. Um so it's just it's it, it's it's impossible to think like how uh, how people would think that the baby isn't ingesting every single little thing that that mother is taking. I know with things like on the microgram level, like you were saying with the LSD, but yeah, like you were saying, obviously LSD causes stress in your mind and you, you you excrete all these different toxins into your blood when you're stressed and all these things that are harming your baby, even if the chemical isn't getting to it. So don't do drugs or anything like that while you're pregnant and don't even fucking go see a scary movie in my opinion like well, yeah. all kinds of shit <laughs> i mean i'm not even kidding no yeah like literally there's there's um what are they called baby doctors baby doctors <laughs> what <laughs> like OBGYN type people like in like for oh doctors, I, I thought it was like the one <laughs> essentially the one that recommends yeah. all the stuff i'm pretty sure like yeah. moms moms are recommended not even to fucking fly or do like yeah. certain things like go out on vacation because of the stress of vacationing and right. it's also said to like when if you're like if you're in labor around the holidays to not invite family over for a Thanksgiving dinner um, when you're you know pregnant or whatever. But yeah. So yeah. Anyway, um, I know that it's really uh, sad that we even have a stereotype cracked baby. Um, it it's is really fucked up. But on a harm reduction side of things, for any of our listeners who are considering you know being mothers one day or are a mother. Um, Consider how much of an effect your choices and decisions have on this. You know what's fucked up? It's being from a small town. You meet people who their parents are openly meth users uh, because we didn't have crack, right? Um, But openly meth users and openly did it while they're pregnant. 
and bragged about, oh, it clearly does nothing because look, my kids are fine. As they're smoking meth in a little camper with their kids that were not fine. And it was just so fucking sad for me to see that growing yeah. up. Just like yeah. being friends with these kids and then their parents being like, see, our meth use didn't negatively affect them. Like, I don't think I don't think it's a big deal to drink and smoke meth while you're pregnant and cigarettes and all this shit. It's like, it's fucking insane, dude. How as a uh, a biological entity that are is human, like humans, we all feel like we share these similar aspects and beliefs and characteristics with everybody. They're not the same. People are not the same. Like, there's some people who just... I don't know. It's just... It's impossible. Because, like... I'm not trying to say that they can't be taught and rehabilitated into thinking, like... Hey, no, this shit's actually fucked up and you should look into it. It's just... It's just weird how someone could get to that level. Absolutely. It's sad. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think that... I shouldn't say it's crazy. It's just that it's... um, It's hard to even imagine. Right. Um, and it and it always comes back to me on a societal level. We are failing. It's not the person's fault. It is not that person's fault. They got failed at some point along the way. There are people who are just innately shitty, I think. Yeah. But if there's this many people and it's a societal issue that we have crack babies, quote unquote, there's a societal issue and there it's failing at some point in the chain. And I think a lot of the points are fairly obvious, but whatever. We could continue. Oh. <laughs> I hate when kids get involved, man. I know. Dude, it's it fucking sucks. sad. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's the whole point of this podcast is trying to... Harm reduction. Yeah, harm reduction. Dude, the HR department, dude. We're trying yeah. to, uh, you know, help help so more wait, people understand these things. Can I get workers comp for having crack lung? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> did did your employer force you to smoke crack? Or did they no, smoke they crack around you? it around me, yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, crack produces most of the adverse <laughs> neurological, psychiatric, and cardiac effects of cocaine that I kind of mentioned. Um, however, at least two types of this uh, type of reaction are confined to crack. And the pulmonary system called crack lung that I just mentioned um, will not occur with other types of cocaine administration. No shit. Um, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. True. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, nor will the neurological symptoms seen in children breathing the ambient air in rooms filled with crack smoke um so it's really this is part of why i said in the beginning uh that crack smoking crack is considered in my opinion worse than than doing cocaine like uh sniffing cocaine um and even injecting cocaine yeah um because most people injecting cocaine are gonna do it around absolutely no one um People just doing <laughs> cocaine are gonna do it with yeah, you their mind friends. If I hit this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that shit would be so weird. Yeah, going over. I've to- seen it though. Really? Uh, yeah, it was with. <gasps> it was okay. It wasn't crack though. It was meth yeah. still, but uh, just like someone yeah, yeah, casually yeah. just being like, "Do you mind if I hit this?" Yeah, and then yeah, it's just, it's weird as fuck. Yeah, it's same thing though. I no, mean, not is. the same thing, but same societally, it's the same thing to shoot up in front of people cash. True. Yeah, I'll just say for. Uh, my experience with it, my dad told me when I first met him that uh, he injected cocaine at a Grateful Dead concert and <laughs> died for about two minutes. And then his friend revived him. So yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> a male age 24 smoking crack experience. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, pain between the shoulders. Numbness. Actually, you know what? Wait. This is just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a good jumping off point. Yeah, yeah. I really want to help Ryan understand that that was like an OG deadhead 
right there. Yeah. So you thinking that they're like spiritual sweet people and all is just even more reason to not think so. Like I've said before, evil hippies exist. Your father was an evil hippie. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. They do. Actually, I think, yeah, I think the Grateful Dead common. created them, though. The evil That's hippies? The I don't think the Grateful Dead created them at all. I think they created themselves in an environment that they thought they could uh, splurge off of and uh, take advantage yeah, of other it's people. It's, a, it's like the creepers who go to fucking like EDM shows just to creep on young women. No, you're it's right. the same shit. No. You're right. But actually, not really. Well, if it's drugs and alcohol involved it's and not, sex. Because here's my thing is the majority of deadheads live a lifestyle that is shitty and it's not good for kids. And and it's something where they still think that it is okay in the 21st century when the Grateful Dead is not even around. I, I think I think with any of these like subcultures and genres of like living, it is always if you dig deep what is at the core of this an excuse to get high or drunk exactly and live yeah. this and live this weird way even if getting high to you is just because getting high is subjective getting high to you is just listening to music that makes you daydream in a way that you're escapes from reality that is yeah in a way technically somewhat getting high you're getting high on your own mind yeah getting that sweet sweet internal dmt but i mean in a way it's just, it's just an, it's an escape so the same way, I feel like just people used that culture, that way of this is an a entry way of getting high. There's drugs and alcohol around. There's access to these things. And then that, there's always just innately shitty people. Yeah, I think that's a really good point of it is that it doesn't really matter what music it is. We would all agree, though, that certain genres have uh, sort of created certain types of people. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of violence in punk music yep. and... Uh, even hip-hop and rap, right? And then there's not a lot of violence in the Grateful Dead type of music. However, there's a lot of complete disregard of other humans yep. um, and caring only about yourself. Yep, so yeah, absolutely. anyway. Um, and then the, the the I think the big part with music like the Grateful Dead type of stuff and then EDM is that th these people are almost worse sometimes because they have a disguise of it being okay and it being happy-go-lucky and it looks all good and it's just psychedelics and it's just, you know, love and blah, blah, blah. But really, the behind the scenes is very similar to even the other people. I think that's um, something that the Charlie Manson whole documentaries show very well is that the hippie counterculture wasn't always fucking nice and rainbows. Yeah. No, and I think yeah. that's good. Yeah. I agree. Um, all right. So, yeah, let, just to clear that up, <laughs> we had to talk about the Grateful Dead. Um, in the crack episode we had to talk about the <laughs> hey you started it buddy hey dude you know what fuck I'm you still. buddy <laughs> I mean I had to also mention my dad's experience with crack he died yeah <laughs> hell yeah dude I wish wait was this before died. or after you were born so this is what's annoying about him telling me this story is that he tried to say that he believes that he survived so that he could give birth to my sister and I he and gave I like, he's a, like a seahorse he gave birth to y'all or yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Life. Yeah. Um, and that because it was like in the eighties or something. And it, what's really annoying about that is that it's like, okay, bro, you literally <laughs> you you're, you're trying to tell me after I just met you sixteen years into my life, you're trying to, you're trying to tell me that you survived so that I could be here, and like you weren't even around. Like I'm meeting you now. <laughs> so anyway. I don't want to give people like I don't want to depress people on a Wednesday today like like today. Yeah. We've already talked about three hours of crack cocaine. So. Happy Hump Day! Um, <laughs> hey, I warned this episode was going to be a little whack. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Um, so just some case reports of some younger guys 
when smoking it, some of the crazy stuff they've experienced was pain between their shoulders. Um, numbness, which makes a little sense, but actually can get kind of scary. Um, I don't know if anyone's had an experience with doing cocaine all night, but when you start to get tingling in your fingers or Ugh. numbness in your fingers, that's actually really dangerous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is uh, vasoconstriction a lot of the time, so it's your blood vessels constricting and blood is not getting to uh, the other areas that it needs to. Um, <laughs> Harm reduction. And this can lead to a heart attack, right? So Yeah. Um, yeah, just something to be uh, thinking about. Um, another guy, age 22, was smoking crack and ended up having arm and leg weakness. Um, so, like, it, it wasn't really able to grip or, you know, move his arm or whatever, right? And, and walk around as easily. So it's kind of freaky to think of. That's terrifying. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. And then an older guy, age 45, um, ended up having chronic re- chronic recurrent episodes, including burning sensation in his eye, what? tightening of the facial muscles, twisting of the mouth, a spinning sensation, buzzing in the ears, and double vision. Um, it w- kind of similar to, like, being a- on alcohol, right? Um, so what I think... I don't think we mentioned in this at all yet that's fascinating is um, the ringing in the ear because uh, this guy experienced buzzing in his ears but what I've heard from people who have done crack um, or even you know injected cocaine like having a really really quick dose of cocaine is that you'll experience ringing in the ears um, and I've wondered what that's all about mostly I think that it's the it's blood for sure you think it's so? blood rushing over your uh, eardrums Guaranteed. I, I th- well, I not guaranteed, but your you because your blood starts moving so fast, you get high, such high blood pressure immediately that it has to affect your eardrums. Maybe because there's not a whole lot of blood in that area in your eardrums. Yeah, it's mostly yeah. muscles. It's not necessarily. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like not water veins and, and shit. Dude, yeah. Okay, no, your well, brain doesn't have a whole lot of blood in there. Check yeah, it out. I think you're wrong, Raven, for sure. Uh, well, the PhD before my name says that. <laughs> <laughs> Big Raven, PhD. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know, dude. It, the the buzzing in the ears thing is interesting because, like, I, I've heard it with especially, like, uh, people who are really high on co- cocaine and stuff, and they're starting to hear, like, delays and stuff in their, in their, uh, in, when people talk, like, they'll hear things, like, twice or, and stuff, and, I think that's more or less just your fucking brain just like over calculating all these sounds and stuff. And you're just so like, you're so fucking aware that like your hearing is probably just, it almost goes into survival mode. And you're probably just hearing things that aren't there. That's kind of what I was thinking was that it's similar to like the nitrous and the ketamine and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Where like your brain's just, you're just so focused on one thing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, so yeah, that sums up my science stuff. Uh, I don't know if you guys had any questions about any of that, but um, if you don't... So this tinnitus uh, medication is also a... Um, bl- like a, It helps with blood pressure, so I would imagine that it's hmm. similar. Anyway. Huh, interesting. I don't know. <laughs> Look it up yourselves. <laughs> I know that it also it can cause psychosis really heavily for yeah, people. More sense. so than just sniffing cocaine. Like you, a lot of the time you won't hear people talk about going like kind of crazy from just doing blow all night with their friends. Right. But if you talk to someone who's injected cocaine or smoked it, um, a lot of the times you'll hear them talk about like, oh, I was up all night or like 
I heard cops outside or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or even Richard oh, Pryor walking yeah, outside no. <laughs> his house. Like, delirious. Yeah. There's so many stories of just like celebrities on crack, just like wandering around. Um, yeah, no, we should definitely cover, we've covered it throughout the episode, but just kind of recap on the harm reduction with smoking crack. Uh, you know, if anyone decided to do it, um, you know, uh, make sure that you know, like the fentanyl still exists. <laughs> like I yeah. would say, Test your crack, yeah. For fentanyl, absolutely. yeah. Because you know, smoking fentanyl, you're you could still die. So right. Oh yeah, that's that's a, that's a rough one. Yeah, I mean, just if you're gonna be doing crack, obviously carry things like Narcan, um, or try to have friends around that have Narcan. Um, for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's naloxone. It's an opioid uh, reversing sort of agent. It has the ability to save people from dying from an opioid overdose. Overdose, um, but. I know that seems weird with doing a stimulant. It just nowadays it's probably the most probably the safest best thing to have on you if you're a drug user. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing to think about is even for your own safety or the safety of others, consider the secondhand aspect. Absolutely. So if you're in the same Big room time. as someone maybe smoking crack, then think that you're getting ingest you're ingesting that as well. So uh just some important things to think about there. Um just, I, I don't know. This is a hard one to say, uh, you know, harm reduction on because well, I don't advise well, anyone so to try it. I have some. Sorry, go ahead. I Ryan. was going to say, just if you have responsibilities like taking care of children or, you know, doing other shit, probably don't fucking smoke crack before doing any of that stuff because fucking you have responsibilities and yeah. crack is whack. Whack. <laughs> yeah i would say that yeah that's a big one is like it's something that um you should consider that if you do it you likely will be stuck doing it for a while not i'm not saying weeks or whatever i'm just saying like you're not going to just take a couple puffs and then put it down right um and so then you're likely if you think that it's a very short experience remember that it still ends up being long with stimulation um so you're maybe the crack will run out and you'll be still fucked up for like two hours yeah. um, and not in a good state of mind. So if you've got work the next day or something, just consider that. Um, then a big part of this is that you can actually use benzodiazepines if someone is going to going through like a psychotic state um, after smoking crack or if they've been up on, you know, for three days smoking it maybe um, and they need to sleep, you can use benzodiazepines to sort of help someone come down from that and not cause any more damage to themselves or others that they might end up doing. Yeah. And just trying to stay like, or trying to stay hydrated, right? Yeah. And like keeping taking care of yourself while doing a drug like this is very important. Yeah. And keeping yourself out of dangerous situations if you're someone that's trying yeah. to like acquire something like this. Yeah. That's big time harm reduction. Yeah. What a fucking oh icky uh, sticky. If you drug. are ever high on crack and you feel like you need to talk to people. Um, check out some of the harm reduction uh, Discord channels. Right, are those there. are in our uh, Instagram. Uh, our Instagram is drinking out of cups underscore podcast. And some of our highlights, there are some links to all sorts of different harm reduction stuff. And the Discord links are in there. So, yeah. And then uh, Ryan, you're definitely going to be making a playlist for this episode, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, dude. So yeah, Ten so. Crack Commandments by Biggie. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to get back more into the playlist. Anyone who's a new listener and doesn't know about the playlist, uh, we were making playlists for uh, any episode, any drug that we're talking about, uh, music that's related to or that would be good to listen to while on certain substances. And anyway, I'm bringing those back. So uh, we got we got some of that in the works right now. 
Heck yeah, that's um, freaking awesome. And some other things is I mentioned at the top of the at the top of the show, top of the show to you. Uh, we got the Discord going on. We got a new Discord channel, the Drink It Out of Cups official Discord. You could find the link to that on our Instagram. Or uh, if you are a patron, you could just go on Patreon and then connect your Patreon account straight to the Discord and have special access to channels that the public does not get. Um, and that yeah, it's pretty cool. So you could chat with us over there, chat with us on Instagram, send us messages. Um, just check out all of our links over there. Super cool. Yeah. Love hearing from you guys. Uh, we've had a bunch of people reaching out, messaging us. It's super freaking awesome to hear from you guys. So Absolutely. yeah, share the show with your friends. Tell them to not smoke crack. If they're thinking about smoking crack, tell them to <laughs> <laughs> listen to this episode first. Yep. And speaking of the Discord, we are supposed to be going live in eight minutes. So we should probably <laughs> get that yep. going. Yeah, so <laughs> see you guys <laughs> over there. Talk to you later. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> There's nothing like listening to Drinking Out of Cups podcast. Nothing like it. <laughs>